welcome to Wisco Dice. Welcome to Wisco Dice. Thanks, everybody, for coming back and tuning in to episode 22B. We are recording on Saturday, October 27th. Which is a full week after the, uh, after the unsleepingness, unsleepingness of the Extra Life Gaming Marathon. Now, who do we have all here in the studio today? Well, there was a cat here earlier, but I think the cat's gone. Nobody cares about the cat. Oh, okay. My name is Paul. I was known as PJ Shard, otherwise known as Wisco Dice on Twitter. I am the Conzy with the most, the most miniatures, of course. Mm-hmm. What's so. your countdown to? 66 pounds. Whoa. 69 so. coming up soon. Yep. If you haven't been paying attention to us recently or haven't caught us in a few episodes or didn't know what's going on, Conzy's been on a big weight loss kick since basically sometime after Blood in the Sun, mm-hmm. and he's down 66 pounds, so he can no longer be the Conzy with the most in pounds he's got to find up new ways to make up for it yeah and that new way was to buy a ton of tomb kings well maybe if you were english you could be the most in pounds but that would really be currency as opposed to weight yeah that would i I don't think i'm anywhere near that (laughs) (laughs) hey we can dream all right well how have you recovered after the last week sir uh you know well it spends a little time Working on getting 22A out, which if you haven't caught, we will be happy to let you download it and listen to it. Mm-hmm. But otherwise, it's been just kind of a... All my free time has been dedicated to working on hobby stuff. Miniatures! Right? So, miniatures, terrain, and working on getting things ready to go for Mayhem. Getting all the, the special event type stuff going, the little events for Sunday going, plus yeah, trying to get all of the various tournament organizers going in the direction that I need them to so we can get announcements and stuff for various events that are going on for the Merry Mayhem weekend done. Coolio. So a lot of stuff going on there. If you haven't heard, Merry Mayhem 2012 here in Madison, Wisconsin. Madison, Wisconsin. There's Warhammer Fantasy Tournament, which is currently sold out, but there's a few spots that payment will bump on the spots. All right. 40 players, right? 40 players. Nice. And... Then we have on that same day, we have mm-hmm. a War Machine Who's the Boss event. Yeah, that, that's people pretty that are, cool event. People, oh, yeah, they have a giant wheel you you spin on to determine your caster randomly. It's a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. I mean, then we have the Warhammer 40K event that's uh, on Sunday. Yep. I believe it's going to be an 1850 tournament. And that's new to Mayhem this year, correct? That is, yep. This is the first year Mayhem's featured Warhammer 40K. Yep. On top of that, we are featuring on Sunday, we have now officially posted the chariot race rules. I did see that, yeah. So that looks like that's going to be a ton of fun. We hope to get some decent um, interaction with that. Mm-hmm. I'd really love to see a couple of different heats and to see the chariot races go most of the morning, if not. I would expect the whole thing to go for two or three hours of fun. And everybody that participates in any of the events on Sunday or mm-hmm. Saturday or Sunday and it's paid paid for their events, gets their lunch kicked in for free as well. Ooh, free lunch. That's always a good sign. And for the fantasy events on Sunday, we're basically going to work it. So there's going to be a monster mash we haven't posted yet, Mm -hmm. but we are going to work it so that you pay for either the monster mash or the chariot races. You can do the other one for free. Nice. And get your lunch then paid. So basically the money for Sunday we're asking for those little extra events isn't for anybody's pocketbook or anything it's basically just to help us cover the expense of feeding you guys nice well that sounds like a pretty big event then it is shaping up to be very big and there are already it's already i know it's 
I haven't gotten to this year's, but it's already to the point where we're already putting the processes in place from an organizing standpoint on and talking with some of the other event organizers on what we're doing for next year and where we may be hosting it. So nice. Hopefully, come March or April, we'll have some big news about uh, 2013's Merry Mayhem. Well, I hear that Merry Mayhem this year is at Misty Mountain Games, right? That is correct. And I think they're located on Cottage Grove Road. Is that also correct? They are. That is correct. And they have the largest gaming space in Madison, which pretty much makes it perfect for hosting Merry Mayhem, right? That's why Merry Mayhem's there. And they have a huge amount of product, which also means that if you show up at the tournament, you also will be able to get stuff there as well, right? Yeah, and they can handle your special orders without any real issues at all. In fact, I just got I just picked it up Friday, the three, the 2,000-plus point Warriors of Chaos Army nice. that we're giving away. Which is two battalions, not one, but two, two battalions. Two, two, two battalions of from the Warriors of Chaos line. Nice. There's a Nurgle Chaos Lord, mm-hmm. the Zinch Chaos Sorcerer on foot. Pretty sweet. Uh, Hell Cannon, mm-hmm. an extra box of five Chaos Knights. Nice. And I think that's it. Okay. I think that's it for right now. There might be. I think that's what we've listed on the website as well as what it's going to be. Who knows what else goes in day of? But yeah, it's. I mean, there's well over three hundred dollars in, or yeah, it's probably well over three hundred dollars in miniatures right there. Yeah, and awesome. then on top of that, I mean, I've already got another three hundred dollars worth of product, brand new, brand new in box, Warhammer Fantasy and Mantic miniatures sitting in the basement for the raffle. So yeah, I mean, the special ordering from Misty is great. They definitely handle that without an issue. Yeah, got my stuff in quickly. I was able to take care of paying that off. So I'm getting excited for that, and thanks a lot to Misty Mountain Games. Make sure you check them out. They're on Cottage Grove Road. Well, I believe that on Cottage Grove Road also they sell Prism Gaming paints, don't they? They do sell Prism Gaming paints. And that's coincidental because I, I think they're located at prismgamer.com. Isn't that correct? Yes. And uh, I've used their game, their paints before, and I really enjoy them. Don't you? Yeah, I've actually been using um, for some of the Everybody's been kind of watching us on Facebook. Mm-hmm. You can see the Tomb King work that I've been working on, and Lately, it's been the chariots. Mm -hmm. In all of the bronzes and golds in particular, I'm using... That is 100% Prism Gaming Paint on on those, where I'm using the Prism Gaming Paints for more of the base coats and other spots. Mm -hmm. Um, And then washes are 100... Any any place I'm using a wash, it's 100% Prism Gaming washes as well. Yeah, I I don't use anything else. uh, In our hobby, I'm going to talk about painting a realm of battleboard and that was painted exclusively using prism gamer paints as well so i i really appreciate them i think they work really really nicely yeah and and paints isn't all that you can get from prism gamer is it no they have all sorts of wargaming and, and gaming accessories from mm-hmm. wound counters and dice towers in fact if you i'm not sure if it was on uh 21 or not is mm-hmm. part of that info but when we were talking to scott he did mention that they're coming out with a even bigger dice tower yeah I, I, than the dt20 that they currently have out yeah with a humongous amount of dice and it's 150 dice i believe is what he said can hold in the bottom of that thing so and, and that's not, not to comment on the value of the other gaming aids but i have to say i enjoy the dice, dice tower the most that is i mean for the dt20 mm-hmm. is a 15 us dollar dice tower mm-hmm. and it's well, yes, you could tear it down and put it together. I I don't ever do. It's just I built mine, I put it together, it's done. And to keep the dice in order, kind of centralized without bouncing all over the table, mm-hmm. it's just so handy to do that. It keeps my, I, I don't like, especially when I'm playing against somebody else's really gorgeously painted models, 
um, when I know when I know that persons went above and beyond the mm-hmm. Call of Duty on their models to have to play them and then watch my dice bounce off their models. It's just kind of makes me cringe. I really respect their work, and now I have a dice tower. I can just kind of dump my dice in, pick up the dice tower if I need to, to be able to count out or count out misses or something. And perfect, perfect solution. It's one of my favorite things that they have. Well, I have to say, I think we've used the dice towers the most over at the last square located on Adana Road. Is that correct? Yep. And they have a great gaming space as well, obviously. We play there a lot. They also have pretty much everything you can imagine for your miniature needs, from 6 millimeter scale all the way up to, I don't know, 30, 40, 50. Well, and pretty much any scale, any any historical range mm-hmm. to modern ranges to Warhammer Fantasy 40K hordes. They have just about every miniature's need. Of course, they have their website, thelastquare.com, Correct. Um, where you can get 20% off Games Workshop product anytime, any day. Mm-hmm. And they also have a great consignment room in store as well that has a lot of miniatures available for sale at all times. Yeah, I mean, that's that's always a bonus because they do have kind of a captured audience with people that come in and out from the store rather than rather than having to deal with eBay or deal with a number of other options for liquidating your models, you can always bring them into the last square and use their consignment area. And, and it is, they do turn out around a lot of miniatures in that in that area. Well, and I tell you what, that's kind of a nice segue talking about the last square to talking about what we're going to talk about today, because one of the things we talked about is RockCon, sponsored by the last square. I think we're also going to move on then to talking about our gaming marathon from the last episode. Is that correct? Yeah, we're going to talk about the our work towards Extra Life and Team Cranky mm-hmm. and how the 24 hours of gaming went for us and go from kind of, you know, maybe how we sur- how does how does one survive 24 <laughs> hours with the cones of gaming? <laughs> what are you trying to say? <laughs> Oh, you know what I'm trying that to was talk a, about. That was the greatest time of your life. Anyway, don't what have we done in the past, well, not couple, week? Well, a couple of weeks. It's been a couple of weeks since we recorded a formal episode. Oh, that's true. A formal episode. I'm wearing my tux right now. It's really, See, really this pretty. See, is, this is 22B. That was 22A for the the recorded. The 20, what we mean is 22A. We recorded the at hour twenty one ish. We recorded the the game of Warhammer. We said if we met our goals for Extra Life, we would record an episode, and we did that in twenty one or twenty two A. Yeah, and so, I did awesome. Yay! You did as expected. <laughs> you know, but it was it was a lot of fun. Yeah, it was the mm-hmm. whole day. was It was just really a perfect day. But we'll talk about that a little more later. So what? It, well, other than that game mm-hmm. and, and that twenty four hours of gaming, is obviously this is kind of what we're talking about in this episode. What else? Have you played any games lately other than that, Paul, that you'd like to mention or highlight? Well, I played a couple games in our Escalation League, but nothing that really sticks in the mind at the moment. I apologize. Nothing like my giant squig. But I have gotten a lot of hobby in, so that was pretty fun, but I think that's for a later bit, isn't it? All right, so I guess gaming wise, I've I didn't get a game last last or this this week uh, mm-hmm. at the square. Oh, you didn't end up playing? Nope. Oh. We, it was almost. It was like eight thirty nine o'clock by the time he was wrapping up his game. So right. I ended up not getting a game at all, which was disappointing. But mm-hmm. it happens. Whatever. Unfortunately, I've been really craving. I really would really because we're re- we're really close. When I say I mean when I say really close, I mean we are really close <laughs> I'm still to waiting. having to turn in North Star lists 
and I'm really craving trying to get a 2200 point game in mm-hmm. with a list. I've built a list of my dark elves that's a bit different than what I would normally take. Yeah. Uh, what I've been taking to tournaments, and I'd like to get it on the table and play it once before I submit the list to either convince myself that I'm happy with it or to Run away justify throwing, <laughs> throwing the whole thing out and taking a more conventional list for myself. All right. In reality, I probably should quit mucking around with this, like taking a list that's outside, a little bit outside of my comfort, comfort zone, my, what I've been playing, mm-hmm. and just play what I've been playing. But Yeah, been playing. <laughs> Um, I actually, now that you bring that up, I got my list done for North Star already, and I actually had probably a little bit more confusion than Ben did because I was planning on bringing my ogres. I ended up finishing my display board, which completed my hobby goal, and I was really happy with myself. Everything's all taken care of. Tournament is in for two weeks. This is going to be awesome. Went to the North Star website, saw that they allowed Tomricon. 2,200 points means that 550 points is the cap for rares, and what do you know? Stompy fits in 550 points. So I had to completely rework what I was going to be doing, and I was doing that today kind of in my off time. It was a slow day at work because it was a football game going on, and so not too many people called during that. So I ended up reworking my Chaos Warriors list and submitting it already. So I was pretty happy with that. I went through about five or six incarnations, and I'm pretty satisfied with the finalized list. So I'm all set to go for North Star. Yeah, it must be nice. Yeah. I'm going to make more last-minute decisions. In reality, it's not last-minute decisions. It's last-minute modeling decisions mm-hmm. is more so. I'd really like to... I'm really debating on bringing a 30-plus model Corsair unit. Mm-hmm. And I only have 15 of them done, <laughs> which means in 8th Ed, I've never fielded Corsairs. So I'm not 100% sure, both on the tabletop, how I'm going to anticipate using them. Mm-hmm. I imagine it's going to be very similar to how I use the Spear Elves, yeah, with a little less sacrificing of them. And a little more killing. A little more killing. I mean, the front rank gets more attacks, but otherwise the Spear Elves are pretty close to the same number of attacks. Mm-hmm. A little bit more defense, though, too, with those Heaster Cloaks. For shooting, mm-hmm. but yeah, we'll see. I mean, I'm a little bit torn either way on them right now. I'm not 100% sure how they're going to perform and in, in, if it's going to be... For the points, that much of a significant difference over the Spear Elf unit I've been running. Which is a fair point. Which is. So, I mean, there's a little bit of that, and I'm a little wishy-washy there. Plus, the big thing is, I decided, with the help of Grant Fetter, I chatted with him on Facebook, and he helped me work out a couple of things with the list, and one of the things we talked about, it's like, how many Corsairs do you really need to, before, you know, to be kind of effective and we came mm-hmm. up with this number somewhere between 30 and 35 minimum yeah i'd have to and agree with so that. i only got 15 mm-hmm. so i've got to get some <laughs> fortunately i've got 10 of them came in today i went on ebay because i've also not only do i have 10 of them but i only have the old or 15 of them but i only have the old 15 metal models yeah that are painted and assembled mm-hmm that gets to be a problem <laughs> when you need 35 of them and the models you need to make bulk out your unit are all out-of-print models. Oh, no! So I went on eBay, mm-hmm. my old friend eBay, and, oh, I, everybody's and old that friend night either. I bought 20 <laughs> additional Corsair models from like two different people. All right. And fortunately, I got the first 10 today. Nice. And the other guy shipped right away as well. So hopefully I will get those early next week. I'm kind of 
holding on submitting my list to one, try to play test it, and two, to kind of see to make sure I got the models come in before I send the list off and then go, oh, crud, I didn't get the models till two days before North Star. Sorry, can't go. <laughs> I can't use this list. Yeah. And especially since you're not using unit fillers in this army. I might use – I actually debated I might use some – because this is – I use unit fillers, and I would use unit fillers in my Dark Elves. Yeah. The big problem – the thing was that I didn't use unit fillers in the past because the concept of it really wasn't something I did or I was doing at all. Yeah. Nor were the units big enough. When I built all the units, when you've only got like 18 or 19 models in a unit, maybe 25 was the biggest unit I fielded. Unit fillers, unit fillers weren't really critical. Now the units have gotten much bigger, and unit fillers kind of make more sense. And they can help to tie the army together as well. Well, considering none of the other arm units have fillers, ah. I don't think that's going to well. Not cool. in this case go a huge ways but it will i think it'll help give uh, uh, it'll make the corsairs look a little better i don't know how much time i'm going to have to dedicate to that going into north star considering north star is on the 10th and it's the 27th now so i've got basically <laughs> 13 days to finish 20 guys fair enough all right well that i, I think... don't even technically have in my hands yet <laughs> i think we can move on to hobby now okay uh, what hobby did have you done in the past several weeks well, I've been sharing my hobby pretty much. So mm-hmm. for the big most part, I've been working on those Tomb King chariots. Yeah, and sharing that via Facebook and Twitter. So I'm trying to keep, every day. I've got to I got to take a pick. I've got more progress today. I've accomplished on them. I'm getting close. I've got the horses done. The chariot chassis are almost complete. I've got to finish up the blues. So and a little bit more, and then I've got then I can get started on the riders, and hopefully I'll have that finished before the next show. So could you be singing, look at my horse, my horse is amazing? No. No. Okay. All right. Well, I guess we'll move on then to my hobby. Okay. I, I uh, are, are you done with your hobby, sir? Or no? Well, you know, I, I the only other thing I had that I worked on was I worked on a little bit of additional Tomb King terrain ah, for right. the Tomb King board for Mayhem. That's pretty much the end of my hobby. Well, you picked those up at RockCon, right? I, I picked up a bunch of terrain at RockCon, but mm-hmm. I also have a couple of Tomb King projects specifically that I already started Yeah. before I picked any of that up that I want to complete to add to that table. Mm-hmm. So we didn't actually talk about that, I think, on the last episode. So why did you pick up that that stuff? What really caught your eye about it? Um, that terrain, it was, it was... I mean, the big thing was it was already... It looked sharp. It was really sharp. As far as terrain goes, um, and it was it it really the, a couple of them like the sphinx. The sphinx was a complete cast sphinx, and for a sphinx, I'm just not going to be able to carve one out of foam that looks in my mind looks right on the table. Yeah. So that was a big purchase for me. And then there was just you know little little tidbits on the on some of the wa- broken walls and stuff like that that just looked mm-hmm. right. So I picked up a bunch of stuff. I ended up picking up like it was five or six, not small or not large pieces, but mm-hmm. you know, four to six inch round, roughly uh, surface area type pieces nice. for under twenty dollars. Well, that's a Rock great price. So that yeah. was great. So and I've actually been talking to that guy, and he's going to do two tables additionally for me for mayhem. Nice. I may ha- I'm probably going to have to paint those terrain pieces, but I'm he's going to get me the terrain pieces. So well, that'd be great. All right, so, um, and, and you can find these guys. I'll just give them a quick shout out too, since they're they're hooking me up and they're they're uh, now an official Mayhem sponsor. It's you can find out more about them at terrainaholic 
www.webs.com. Nice. And you'll be able to, we'll put that up in the, uh, up on our links page as well. All right. Well, I actually got a decent amount of hobby done this week as well. I had mentioned before I did the Realm of Battle section for my display board. And I ended up getting that. It was primed. Uh, and then I based it with Deep Flash from Prism Gaming, which gave it a really nice brown base coat, a pretty deep, rich color. I was very happy with. And then I used a couple of different highlights, uh, highlighted up to chalk white on the cliffs to give it kind of a Cliffs of Dover look. I don't know. That's what it looked like in my head. Also, I highlighted that up into the skulls in the cracks in the ground as well. And I used their pitch wash to kind of flatten down the rest of the terrain that didn't have any details in it. Yeah, the pitch washes are real close to a... It's like it's basically a but black, black wash. Yeah. And uh, it, it turned out really, really nicely. I put some flock on it, and I was really happy with it because, yay, I got my display board done for North Star, and now I can't use it. But I'm happy to have a display board for my ogres, so that turned out pretty well. Yep, so now you gotta now now what you gotta crank out a new terrain display board for your army you're actually taking? Well I need to do I we'll see if that gets done. I'd like to be able to do a display board for that. And I also I I wanna finish painting my realm of battle board now. <laughs> now that I've got one of the board's pieces painted, I wanna do the other six, but I tell you, I went through an entire thing of deep flesh, an entire bottle of deep flesh on just that one board. So I'm gonna have to stock up on that to get those colors right. Well, we'll have to get a, go ahead and get a hold of Scott and get you some more. Also, I was able to finish my sculpture with Super Sculpey that I've been working on in this class that I've been taking. Uh, it's a Tree of Woe. It started out straight from the White Dwarf article on the Tree of Woe, and then it kind of morphed into its own thing. At the teacher's request, basically, he said, All right, so you're able to copy the basic idea of what this tree is. Now make it, yourself, make it your own. And I had a really fun time doing this, and I... I slowed down. I actually worked on it only three hours at a time, once a week. And I got it home. I baked it. And I'm, I'm really, really happy with the way it turned out. I've got it mostly primed with a brown. I missed one part of it, so I'm going to have to go back and reprime that side. But I'm very, very satisfied with the way it turned out. The Super Sculpey baked really nice and evenly, which is a bit surprising for me because I've never used it before. But it turned out really, really well for what I wanted it to be, so I'm really oh, happy. I wouldn't say it just for what you wanted it to be. That did turn out really well, period. I mean, it, you, you could, we got pics of it shared through both our Facebook and Twitter, and your Twitter feeds and my Twitter feed. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so you can definitely kind of catch that through those and, and see what, what Paul's talking about. Um, it, obviously, there needs to be some kind of, it looks like there's like kind of a root structure, so it's supposed to be sitting on some kind of mound or whatever. Well, or it could be a walking tree. I haven't really decided what I want to do with it yet. So I, I would avoid walking tree and, and put a mound underneath it. All right. That's just my personal opinion, and that's what I would do. I, I'll probably end up making a base for it regardless, and because it makes a better terrain piece if I've got a hardboard base underneath it so you have an area where you can't go, so... But yeah, it was a really fun experience. I haven't sculpted in seven years in the material that I'm using, and I really, really enjoyed using the Super Sculpey. It's really a balance to me between water-based clay and green stuff, brown stuff, procreate, all that kind of thing. It gave me the time to be able to work on the, the sculpture that really allowed me to really define my ideas into the, the carving itself. And also, it had enough body to it that I could sculpt it as opposed to clay, which usually just ended up falling apart on me a lot or 
I would have to sculpt it once it was dry and then it became really fragile. So I, I'm, I'm really, really happy with the result and I'm really, really happy with the material. So I'm going to try and do some other projects with it on a much smaller scale and see how those turn out. Awesome models you might have missed. All right, we're going to kind of throw a curveball at you here today. And I'm going to talk about some GW models because honestly, they are models you might have missed. And what I'm going to talk about are the Mordheim Beastmen. Now, when you go to the Games Workshop site, everybody knows where Warhammer is. Everybody knows where all the Warhammer armies are. However, not too many people are privy to the information that there is another tab called Specialist Games. What is this Specialist Games thing you're talking about? That's just blasphemy. Well, it's all these smaller game systems that Games Workshop produced and ran for a while that simply aren't nearly as supported at this point. Mordheim being one of them, also Blood Bowl, you've got Battlefleet Gothic, you've got Warhammer, or you've got um, Epic, and also Warmaster in those. Pretty much a bunch of games you can get the rules for free right through GW, so exactly. that's the uh, best part. Inquisitor is also on there, I believe. So Mordheim Beastmen have their own little warband, is what it's called in Mordheim, and they have a unique sculpt for all of their little characters, and I think it's an eight-figure box, is that right, Ben? I think so. I think it was eight figs. And they're all metal. Uh, they haven't switched to fine cast or anything like that. And they've got some really nice alternative sculpts in that range. They have a really nice shaman, a beastman shaman. Is that right? Ben- the beastman shaman is really good. I really I use their in my beastman army. I use their the the beastman the wartime beastman shaman, mm-hmm. and I use for my for my beast lord. They had like a minotaur or whatever is the kind of like the big character or one of the big things you can get and he looks very minotaur it looks like very he very looks very much like a minotaur mm-hmm. but he fits on a 20 film 25 mil base without any issues at all so i've made him and he's kind of like dragging this girl by the hair mm-hmm. so it, it it really looks outstanding because it's something different and because i wanted to initially with my beastman i wanted to include a bunch of the Minotaur and stuff, I thought he was a really cool Beast Lord to include mm-hmm. to help capture and give that unity between the big Minotaur units and, and the Beast Lord. So. Yeah, and they've got a couple other Gore sculpts in there as well as uh, Ungore sculpts. And I think there's even an, a Centaur in that band, right? The Centaur doesn't come with the with the ban- with the the starter band. But uh, I apologize. I, I believe the line has it. So mm-hmm. yeah, I, think... I don't have it. I don't have the, the Centaur but I do have a couple of the the uh, gore models, and I've used them as unit champs. I think Johnny Hastings might have that centaur model, though. But I don't know. I'm a little fuzzy on that, so don't quote me. But uh, they have, like I said, they've got a really nice small range. Mordheim models work really, really, wear, really, really well for characters in your Warhammer armies. They have a lot of selection for Empire. If you're looking to theme your army, they have province-based... Well, and... to an extent. I mean, there's uh, a lot. The basis for the Empire stuff was the militia sprues that are currently out. Mm-hmm. But they also have metal warbands. You can do Averland. You can do Middenheim. Some of those aren't available on the website anymore, but they're definitely out there on eBay. Middenheim Sisters was... of Sigmar also has their yeah. own warband. Those make for some great alternative great swords. So there you go. Those are the awesome models you might have missed for this week. All right, let's go ahead and cut a break, and when we come back, we'll talk about some Warhammer stuff. Warhammer! My precious 
your precious what? My precious everything. Yu-Gi-Oh, Warhammer, 40K, War Machine Hordes, everything. Everything? Yeah. It's all at Misty Mountain Games. Really? Correct. Located on Cottage Grove Road. And you know what? I hear they also have the largest gaming space in all of Madison. Don't just hear it. I know they do. All right. And also, you can check them out for board games as well, I hear. Yep, board games. They got pretty much everything. The management and the staff down there are awesome. They can hook you up with whatever you need. If it's not on the shelves, they'll make sure they get it in for you promptly and quickly. All right, well, check them out. Misty Mountain Games on Cottage Grove Road. And, of course, hit their website at mistymountaingames.com. Okay, we're back. We're back. We're going to talk about RockCon. Are we? Yes, we are. Okay. I ran RockCon. It was a good time, I think. Okay. Is that the end? All right, so we're going to move on now. <laughs> no, I, I actually had a lot of fun. I was not sure that the event was going to happen because I only had three signups less than two weeks out. And I made a plea on the internet forums, and I got a couple more signups. So we decided to go ahead and run it. It ended up with 12 people, which I was really happy with. We actually had more people than the War Machine Hordes event did. That was just right down the hall from us. So a big thank you to Alex Gonzalez because he graciously took the initiative and asked people for their permission to use the terrain from Adepticon and also from Bits for the tournament. So we had some really nice tables, some really nice terrain, courtesy of them. It was a, We were able to get there right, really early, got everything all set well before anybody else arrived. And Ben was kind of nervous because he isn't sure what he was going to be doing, if he was going to be playing in the tournament or just kind of hanging out. I certainly didn't come prepared to play in the no, tournament. Let's put it that way. <laughs> yeah, I think you writing up your army list... Five minutes before the tournament was going Basically to start. Basically, when we determined that I had to play, I was kind of hoping I wasn't going to have to play, that I could help run the event. Uh-huh. Having been there the previous year, I thought that you would benefit a lot from having me kind of be the the backseat guy that you know you could come to and talk to about. Okay, this is going on. You know, yeah. how is my pacing? What you know, is there things that I need to adjust? How are things going to go? Now, with 12 people, it was, and everybody knew what they were pretty much doing. Pairings were pretty much clear. Mm-hmm. Everything went really smoothly from a player perspective. And certainly being there early, getting things set up early, which is all stuff I was, you know, I was able to ha- and happy to help out with. Well, and all stuff that didn't made, happen last year. Made things move so smooth. And it was so well, it was so much, it was, on, from a player perspective, playing in the one that was last year and playing in the one that was this year, mm-hmm. it was like a 180-degree turnaround in going from what was really, kind of, I, I won't lie, was kind of a frustrating and negative experience for me the previous year. It was a very negative experience for me the previous year mm-hmm. to one that was like, I was really happy to have participated in this one and to played in it. So job well done. Yeah, and I think a lot of that just comes from me attempting to run it on my own and thinking I knew what was going on and just be like, oh, I just need to have these things and this thing will work. Well, that and I would add that you you not only were running it on your own last year, mm-hmm. but you ran it without any supporting cast effectively. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. the supports that you had also were very raw and inexperienced in running of such an event. And it isn't a tournament, a good tournament that you go to. And, mm-hmm. and anybody, all the TOs that are out there that listen to the show... You're going, uh huh. We really know what you're talking about. It isn't just the success of a tournament. Of course, is uh, is ends up at the end of the day is mm-hmm. is the gameplay and the, the people that show up and come to the event are the people that make all that really make it happen. Mm-hmm. But a TO controls so much of the event 
getting things set up, making sure people know where to go mm-hmm. at the right time, you know, at yeah. the time. That make sure that the timing and the pacing of the event all work smoothly so that it's and to eliminate confusion and not to give players even if a player had a bad game to not allow that frustration to dwell into like this event's just you know i don't know where i'm supposed to be you know if a guy has a bad game and then he doesn't know where he's supposed to go or where his next matchup is because it doesn't get it because that information's not out there yeah or there's other you know the, uh, he had a n- n- I oh crud! I got to the event and now I got to wait thirty minutes for them to set up all the stuff before I can even can get my table pairing when they said it was supposed to start at XX time. And these are all things. I mean, I'm talking about things that happened the previous year too. I'm yeah. not even I'm not even having to make these these up. And this year it was so everything went so smoothly from the event perspective, mm-hmm. and it was very obvious that you spent a lot of time on top of that putting together a, a packet. Uh, and putting together additional materials, there was a lot of additional thought mm-hmm. this time around versus last time around. So well done. Well, and I have to say, a lot of that, a lot of that change has to do with the fact that up till I did RockCon last year, I'd played in maybe ten tournaments, and they were all very small tournaments at the most twenty people. And over the course of the last year, we've gone to Adepticon, seen how that runs. We went to um, Wapaka, we saw how that run ran. We went to Bits. And we saw how that run. And we're going to North Star. And as you go to these larger tournaments, you see how important it is for the stupid little things that don't seem like a big deal to run smoothly. Because it just makes it that much easier and that much more clear. I probably spent about 12 to 13 hours just going over my head. If I were somebody who was at this event, what information would I feel is necessary for me? or helpful for me. And there was actually one piece of information that I was pretty disappointed that was that I was not able to provide. And I think you actually had mentioned specifically that it was something that contributed to, it wasn't my fault, but a, a bad experience, which was you went to go eat up in the bar. And I knew that there was another food service area that was faster down on the first floor. And I wanted to make a map, but I didn't know where we were going to be in the arena. So I didn't make a map. And that ended up meaning that you had to sit upstairs for like half an hour, and we ended up starting the second round five or ten minutes later. Fortunately, I was with my second round opponent at that time. Exactly. And and, and I actually knew that when we were up there eating, because one of the things that I did the previous year at Mayhem, and since I set up your scoring, mm-hmm. I set it up. We had internet access, mm-hmm. so I set up a Google spreadsheet, and we put that out, shared it on. We shared it right on the Wisco Dice site, so it was mm-hmm. available for everybody on the internet to catch. So... We're sitting up there waiting for our food. We're like, okay, let's see who our next round pairings are. Maybe one of us has to run downstairs to mm-hmm. let our let our opponents know that, hey, well, as soon as we get our food, we'll be down. And we looked and went, bam, there. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm paired up against so-and-so. And we'll talk about who I was paired up against <laughs> in a little bit. But I'm sitting up there, you know, with the lunch. Boom, okay, boom. And it was extremely happy. I, I could just look at the table pairings online. Mm-hmm. I go, okay, here's, what, here's here's where I'm paired up, and that's the table number I'm at. Well, I have so to no say. matter what, now we're both sitting here. What's the worst-case scenario? Yeah, we get down there 45 minutes into the round. Well, we'll just shake hands, call it a draw, and be done with it. And I have to say, that's the one thing I did right last year because we actually did end up using a Google spreadsheet and we did have that information available on the web during RockCon last year. And that was because my friend Ryan was there and he was like, well, why the heck would you not use Google Docs? Here you go. Done, done, done. And I remember Grant being up there looking at his scores. And that was something, that was the one thing that I think absolutely we did right last year. And that was run by the only person who couldn't play Warhammer who was in the entire event. So, 
Anyway, enough with figuring out things that I did wrong and things that I can do better. Well, it wasn't just that. It was just a big pat on your back for the improvement. Take it, take it, take it, take it as that. Thank you. So, uh, moving on to your first round, Ben. Who did you play in your first round? I played against Shad, and Shad had a bunch of Skaven. Yeah, he had a fun list, actually, I thought. There were no lords in his list. He had a hero on a Plague Furnace and a Chieftain Yeah, BSB. he had a Chieftain BSB, the hero on the Plague Furnace with a pile of Plague Monks. Two more like four or five units. It's like two or three rats. units of clan rats at like 50 strong, one unit of slaves that was like 50 strong, mm-hmm. and two Warp Lightning Cannons and uh, an A-Bomb. Yep. Uh, what did I have for my list? I don't even remember. I, had a peg. <laughs> I don't remember either. I had a. Pe- I know I had the L four shadow, L two mm-hmm. fire, BSB, mm-hmm. and a master on dark peg. Correct. That I had, which was the unkillable master on dark peg. No stubborn crown, but he had the, but he had a sword of might. So he had sword of might and pendant. Nice. With a one up armor save, or two up armor save, or something like that. Then I had 47 Spear Elves in my core and 20 Repeater Crossbow Elves. Pretty sure I had the Repeater Crossbow Elves. Yeah, I did. And then I had... <laughs> what else did I have? I had 20 Blackguard. Yep, I remember that. Seven Shades. Oh, Shades. And I think that was it. There really wasn't a whole lot to the list. It was like three units on the three, effectively three units, three big blocks, three units. units, and the characters were the deployments. Yeah, that was it. No Hydra. Nope. Uh, no cauldron. No cauldron. Just three units, and which meant I only really had two targets for mind raisers. All right, and how'd your game go? So round one, I got the master into the a bomb on turn on his turn two. Well, that's helpful. And well, it would have been, <laughs> except I failed one of the a bomb attacks. Did D three wounds, and I failed the <laughs> ward on one of the D three wound attacks, and lost the master on that. So it was effectively one round start. of combat done. Wow. But otherwise, we got through. I think four turns, and it was really. I mean. My, he pushed it forward against me where I don't think he had any need to because he had two warp lightning cannons. Yes. And an A-bomb to kind of just jam in, in the way. But instead, he pushed all the clan rat units forward. And because my dreadlord or my master was able, even though he didn't, he didn't, char- he did the charging. It was a one inch charge into the dreadlord. So the it basically took a turn of movement away from the A-bomb. Mm-hmm. And then, and like turn four on ter- on my turn three, I think I then finally pitishated and killed the a bomb outright. Nice, but the, it, he wasn't able to press my press my uh, right flank at all, and my black guard were then just able to. All I did was just go forward and butcher rats. Mm-hmm. It would butcher unit butcher butchered the unit of slaves. I mean, he he got like, oh, I got this matchup I want. I got my fifty slaves into your black guard. Two rounds of combat. Well. The black guard char- took that charge, and then my cro- repeater crossbow helps actually flank charged <laughs> the slaves. I mind razored the spear, uh, the, the uh, crossbow elves, and just butchered slaves and wiped off like thirty or thirty-five of them in a the round of combat. And then it was—I mean, it was just literally then black guard just going nuts and killing everything. And I lost, I think, three or four black guard models. Nice. And I wiped out 
at least a hundred clan rats with or a hundred rats with them. Yeah, I have to say the only the big challenge for me in the first round was figuring out who came in the same car and making sure that they didn't play each other. <laughs> so anyway, anyways, I ended up with getting the win in round one, mm-hmm. and round one was just the base battle line scenario. Every round was. Yeah, one of the book scenarios exactly as it was printed in the book, mm-hmm. except, but it was randomly generated. Mm-hmm. And except it was a five point for a loss, ten point for a draw, and fifteen points for a win. Was all of them was win loss draw? Correct. And but and it was but the scenario play was exactly as it was printed in the book. And the only thing that was odd was that you rolled what the scenario was at the start of the round so nobody knew including you what scenario we were going to play at any given round yeah you actually had set up with your opponent on the table you didn't actually put out your units or anything like that but you're standing up looking at their army and then you don't know what the scenario is until i roll the dice so so first round battle line Mm -hmm. and win to the conesy yeah all right and moving on to the second round we had lunch and then moved on to the second round and I, I actually started having some fun here because I have my iPod, my iPod Touch. So the first round, the entire two hours was spent just double-checking all the army lists that were coming in and also setting up the setting up the spreadsheet to be all the information that I wanted to check into who see who came in the same car. And then during lunch, I did all the pain judging. So... That was actually my first three hours. And then I got to the fourth hour where the second round started, and I ran out of stuff to do. <laughs> so I just started taking pictures of all the battles and tweeting about them. And that was that was actually really fun. I really enjoyed going up and down and seeing all the battles and figuring out what would be the best angle. And the second, to- the second round, I think we ended up rolling Watchtower, right? Yep, second round was Watchtower. Mm-hmm. And my second round opponent I was eating lunch with was Meal Vermilion. Oh, the, the dreaded, dreaded Meal. And, of course, his response as soon as he saw that matchup was, oh, you're going to badmouth you again on your podcast? <laughs> like, yes, we don't indeed. badmouth you. We just tell the truth. <laughs> you're the dreaded one. You're the dreaded Meal. Yeah, for Ben. So this is the Conesy here. We're um, lined up around two of Rockon against Meal Vermilion in Watchtower. Well, we're going to see how this goes. Um, Conesy got the Watchtower roll-off, so he's in control of that. And uh, Meal, how do you think you're going to do? Oh, I'm going to crush you as always. I think yeah, he's going to go down in a big burning ball of flame. It's about time. <laughs> it's, yeah, it would be. It's about time for a Conesy win. All right, so we'll uh, check back after the game. All right, so Watchtower. I thought I, I, I won the Watchtower. I won the roll to see who got the Watchtower. Good job. And I put my 20 repeater crossbow elves in there. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was the only core infantry, infantry unit I had that was 20 or less. Yep. And then I basically, when it came to deployment, I put my 47 spear elves. He was, Emil was playing Empire, by the way. Mm-hmm. And I put my 47 spear elves on the other side of the watchtower with the intention that on my turn two i would probably walk my spear elves in and then and just walk sit there my for crossbows the rest out the and then challenge him to kill every single bot and break me out of there yeah and then on so basically turn turn one meal goes he tries to get the charge on the watchtower on the repeater crossbow elves thinking this is my one chance maybe to get it charges with his 50 halberd ears or however many he had fails a charge all right. I'm like, excellent. Great. But he does bombard the tower. I mean, he's an umpire. He's got cannons. He's got hell blasters. He's got all sorts of stuff. So he bombards the tower. 
and I lose about half the the crossbow elves. But now he's not in a position to walk into the building on my turn two. Like his turn two, he's too far away. You can't march into the build into the tower. You only can walk. He has no units that can enter the enter the watchtower within walking range of the tower. So I'm like, okay, I'll walk my crossbow elves out, mm-hmm. and I'll move my spear elves up in position. I'm like, well, uh-oh. If I move my spear elves too far forward, I'm going to get flanked charged by his demigriff knights. Which is so no I'm like, that's not good. <laughs> and since I failed my turn one charge with my peg rider into his stank, I'm a little cautious there. Stank's already got a couple wounds because he misfired on it turn round, round one. But I mean, like, I'm still pretty confident that that's that's could be a problem. Mm-hmm. So I move my blackguard up. I'm thinking, okay, self blackguard should be strong enough to take whatever he can take throw at me. That st- that stink with a couple wounds on it. He won't generate enough points to do critical damage with it. Yeah. And the demigriffs, I should hold up and have a few blackguard left. Mm-hmm. So I move them up to cover my flank of my spear elves. Yes. And I move them. Up, and then in, in this case, I move them both just about ten inches, both straight forward. Mm-hmm. And both units were. Both would have been in walking distance to the tower. Meals turn two. Starts out, rolls, misfire on a stank, gets the result where he draw regenerates maximum steam points <laughs> and D three wounds to the stank, which he rolls three additional wounds to the stank. Alright, that's not too bad. Oh, this is horrible. That was the <laughs> that was the game winning misfire right there. On top of that, then in his shooting uh, or on his magic phase, he dwellers the spear elves. Yep, which is I right too. Didn't nice. bring a dispel scroll oh. <laughs> because I couldn't quite fit it in with the twenty five percent hero cap, Ooh. and I probably should have put it on my lord. But then the lord couldn't have taken sack dagger, so it was a choice between the sacrificial dagger or the dispel scroll. So I took the sacrificial dagger instead. Well, right. he didn't roll irresistible on it, but I failed the spell mm-hmm. on Dwellers. I lost my level 2 fire and 25 other Spear Elves. Oof. Okay. I still have I still have quite a bit of units. Yeah, I, I still like get into that tower. No That's still, I'm still in okay shape. <laughs> Shoots his Hellblaster. Rolls a misfire. Rolls a second misfire. Rolls the third misfire. Okay. Well, it's still long range to the Spear Elves. I should be okay. Nope. 15 more dead. <laughs> he rolls exceptionally well there. All right. So now I've got like nine or ten Spear Elves left in my level four. Mm-hmm. Like, well, now this is going to be real dicey if I can get to the building. Yeah. But I'm still okay. Get to close combat. Remember that steam tank? Well, it had charged into the front of my black art, and the Demigriff Knights had charged into the flank. Mm-hmm. And the steam tank charge, I don't remember, but it, it, it still had enough. It charged three steam points forward. Yeah, it charged nine three steam points forward, did nine impact hit or nine wounds <laughs> off of impact hits. Because or he like rolled that. 3d3 for his yep. impact hits. And then, and then it turned around, the Demigriff Knights killed a bunch, and I'm still at like. A Blackguard and the BSB. I'm mm-hmm. like, okay. It's like, well, I still have these three steam points left on the tank. I'll use the steam gun as a breath weapon into combat. Strength four. 
I don't know if it was strength four or strength three, but either way, it didn't matter because I lost. Not only did I lose the black card, which was kind of a given, mm-hmm. but I lost the BSB who had a one-up armor save on him <laughs> because I whiffed. Like he took four wounds and I and I rolled two ones on the armor Ugh. save. So there he he wiped every model, and what that did is then it set up the overrun of the demigriff knights into. My flank of my spear elf. So now the tower doesn't have anything in it. And <laughs> it's going to be my turn two. I cannot get in it. Yeah. It would then go to his turn three, and he's going to walk 47 spear elves into it. No, he's going to walk 47 or halberdiers into it. Or 50-ish halberdiers into it. And I've got left on the board, I've got 10 crossbows that are fleeing. I have nine... <laughs> Spear Elves plus the level four, and I have the Master on Dark Pegasus. That's all I've got uh, left on the board. Literally, Meal took off 60 models of mine in turn two. That's Off like, of four Misfires and a Dwellers. So 60 models out of what was, you know, 80, 80 to begin some with. models to begin <laughs> with. Yeah, literally 75% of my army was taken off the board in one turn of combat. I, or one, ter- one turn. I think that means that Meal won. Yeah, yeah, it was. I mean, <laughs> I, I mean, if he didn't roll the misfire with a stink, mm-hmm. I would be in a position to try to win that game. Mm-hmm. And if he didn't win all the three misfires on the Hellblaster, if he only, only rolled two, yeah, I would have probably been in really good running to win that game. Oof. Right. Or if he would point, have brought a Dispel Scroll. Well, if, even if I would, if I would have brought a dispel scroll, I wouldn't. It wouldn't have been the the big thing was him being able to flank charge on his turn on his on my would have been my turn too. Mm-hmm. He would have had my spear elves. Even, no matter even if I would have had more models, he would have had my spear elves pinned because of demographs in the flank. All right. The big critical one was the misfire with the stink, being able to generate maximum steam points to be able to do that additional damage to the blackguard, and take them off the board Oof. that was the the game breaking misfire the all the other ones were icing on crazy. the cake but <laughs> who'd have thought you're who'd have thought you would go through you'd be in your the top of turn two and your opponent has rolled five misfires total in the game and just and you and you lost you and you and you just got completely <laughs> smashed. Who'd have thought that? I mean, I couldn't have predicted that. Well, you were Mio playing even. Mio. I think was looking at the game and going, "Okay, I'm probably going to lose this game." I did everything. I mean, Meal's the guy that taught me how to play Watchtower. I played it exactly <laughs> how Meal would Meal taught me. And then Meal and dice Meal knew it. And you. <laughs> it was just freak of nature luck that he won that game. Okay, we just finished up round two in Rockon. And you remember that part that I said I'm going to kick Meal's rear? Well, Meal, uh, I'll, I'll let you uh, explain. How'd that go, Meal? Um, I'm gonna five misfires of myself later that all went my way, completed the perfect storm to kill off 20 Blackguard, a BSB, and 39 Spear Elves in one turn. Yeah, basically. Um, he dwellered my spear off block, killed 25. I didn't have a scroll to stop it in my list. That's my own fault. I should have found a way to get it in there. Then I turn around. Then he turns around on the Hellblaster, fires it into the spear elves. Misfire, misfire, misfire. Three misfires. 
14 wounds he takes off the Spear Elves, so now I'm down to 9 Spear Elves plus the level 4 in that unit. I'm like, okay, well, I can at least get him in the building and make this a run. I've got my, I got my Black Guard on the flank, the Steam Tanks into it, and the, and I guess I just miscalculated how much damage the Steam Tank can do. Of course, the Steam Tank on any other roll just about, other than a roll of Misfire for generation of Steam Points, would have probably not had the oomph to take my to take my black guard down the way it did. But he rolls a misfire, takes three more wounds to the things, but now has full steam points and just decimated the black guard. So now I lost my flank, he's into my flank and the rest is history. So watchtower is over, round two, it's been a fun time here at Rockcon. We'll go ahead and check things out later. Yeah, turn two went right down the to- tubes. Yep. And then we'll move on to turn three. I'm still taking thumbs of pictures, having a great time running the tournament. Yep, and pairings came out pretty quickly, so it was nice. Mm-hmm. I went down to the bottom tables. Yeah, and we're playing Battle for the Past this time. Yep, which is the first time I've ever played this deployment in this scenario in tournament. Mm-hmm. And I can see why people don't like it. Yeah. But I'm playing against an Orcs and Goblins player by the name of Chad. Chad is... I think this was his first tournament he'd ever been to. He was, I mean, very new. We talked. A, we spent a lot of time talking orcs and goblins mm-hmm. and talking tactics. But that's the, honestly the army I played for years and years and years until I finally shelved them shortly after Wapaka this year. Mm-hmm. And I gave him a lot of like you know pointers and tips and tricks and things that I would have done and try to help him along. Mm-hmm. One of the things he did in this game, though, is he deployed almost to the back end of his deployment zone, and probably rightfully so, since he had two Doom Divers and I had no range. almost no range at all. Mm-hmm. In fact, I don't think by the end of the by the end of the game, I never shot a missile weapon once. Mm-hmm. And if it wasn't for my Pegasus Rider being in the list, we probably would have ended this game at a dead draw. Yeah, because literally we never got to any. Well, I shouldn't say that. We did get to real combat near the end of the game, but that's only because um, I put uh, he pushed things forward a little bit. Well, he had, his list was three units of 50 orcs, basically. He had a unit of orc boys, he had a unit of savage orc biggins, and he had a unit of black orcs. But none of them were horde. No, he put None them of them were deployed at horde. He deployed wide. them all five wide and deep, which was, in my opinion, a huge mistake because... You're, you you do that with units that you're... I mean, if you're going to do that, do that with the units of goblins. Don't do that with orcs. You're taking the orcs because they can kill stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, black orcs, they're hitting at strength 5 or strength 6, you know, on the first round of combat. Well, strength 7, actually, would have been the first round of combat if you go great weapon or strength 5 with Huchapa. And then he also had an Arachnarok with a great Gobbo Shaman on it, which yep. I thought was cool. And then a black orc character as his general and a savage orc bsb bsb yeah so it was not at all the typical internet list but no no it wasn't and i mean i got i got my dreadlord into the mass or into his arachnarok on turn two and won that combat by by one or two and the arachnarok he failed the stubborn check i killed the i killed the goblin in close in the challenge that was riding it Mm-hmm. And 
the Iraq, I, well, I shouldn't say a challenge. I mean, it was just a normal combat, really. But I killed the, the goblin on top outright. And the Iraq and Iraq failed the break check and ran off the board. Well, that was Which then quick. got me into one of his shot. I was able to charge. Did I charge one of his shamans? No, I charged a Doom Diver and killed the Doom Diver. And then, uh, and then I overran and turned four into, and it would have been a turn four combat on his other Doom Diver. All right. But we never had a, we never got to turn four. Turn three, I got into his Black Orcs with my Spear Elves. I popped my Assassin and threw up Mind Razor and basically deleted the Black Orcs. Mm-hmm. And those were the that was the only two major things in the game because the rest of the the rest of the game like the my blackguard got into a forest and found out it was the venom thicket so I'm at that point I'm like I'm never moving these blackguard I'm oh, not taking yeah. damage no reason to on these especially since I my one unit of spear elves with mind razor up will just destroy his entire army yeah. And that's how, because because of the way his units were configured. If he would have had his units in Horde, he still would have taken a bloody beating out of it from the witch, from the Spear Elves. Mm-hmm. But he wouldn't have, he would have gotten eight or ten more attacks on me back. Mm-hmm. And at least then, that starts adding up. Then I hit the Savage Orcs and it would have started adding up. And he might have been able to do enough damage to me to make me give me real pause near the end of the game as far as charging the the regular orcs mm-hmm. but it wasn't he, he you know he didn't play it that way and it was basically uh, i i felt like it was an auto win in my part i mean no offense to chad he, he's a great guy and i enjoyed the game but that one was you really, knew you had more offensive was, power than he did yeah it was just completely i didn't with the way his units were set up i there was no there was no matchup there. All right, I'm here with Jeff Harper, one of the local guys from Kenosha. Jeff, what did you play in the Rock On today? Good old Tomb Kings. Tomb Kings, really? I, I don't know. I think the Conesy's working on some Tomb Kings. How do they play? You got to wait and see. Everybody plays them differently. All right, how'd you do today? Uh, one loss, one win, and a draw. That's a pretty nice even day. I had a couple of mishap dice when we were rolling right, but overall, solid list. That's not bad for a Tomb Kings. Win, loss, draw, I mean, considering what everybody says. Oh, it's not bad, you know. It all comes down to the dice roll. Miss a couple spells here and there, and next thing you know, you really can't pull anything out. All right. The most important thing is, did you have a good time? Oh, I had a great time. All right, you going to be back next year? Uh, we'll see if I have the day off or not, but all right. we'll, we'll be Mayhem. All right, yeah, well, we're looking forward to Mayhem. Thanks a lot. So that was the end of the tournament and ended up with Meal, of course, winning it. <laughs> he managed to make his round three opponent misfire or roll a... Well, he didn't manage. He just got lucky. I I am convinced that Meal somehow forced a miscast on his level four. Round one, and then she all of a sudden, oh, got sucked into the warp. Oh, too bad. This looked like a bad game for Meal. Oh, all of a sudden, level four gone? Oh, not so bad anymore. Well, it's still battle for the pass, and he's got two cannons and a Hellblaster with high elves that have to walk the board on him. Yeah. But so, it, and, and he's got dwellers for nuking that wizard off the board. 
So, I mean, he's got tools to do it. He just gets, oh, hey, yeah, the strongest somehow, thing. he doesn't the need strongest, those tools. I don't, have, I don't have to rely on those because the strongest thing you've got on the board just got sucked off the board in round one. Oh, okay. Okay. I win. <laughs> now, now I can just go into cruise control. So, Meal's the two-time champ of RockCon. Congratulations, Meal. Yeah, hey, congratulations. No, it was, I mean, it was yeah, good. It, I mean, I was, it was just <laughs> a freak of nature type for, luck in my game, yeah. so... Uh, and yeah, second whatever. place ended up going to Alex Gonzalez, so that was cool. I was, I was really happy to be able to give him a prize for bringing all the trains. That was nice. And then um, Chuck Jardinia from the old Wacast won Best Painted with his Chaos Dwarves, which are really, really nicely put up. He's got a lot of 5th edition metal Chaos Dwarves in there. He put a lot of time into the basing, a lot of time into the paint, and a lot of time into a lot of conversions in the units as well, so... Good job, Chuck. That w- that was really fun to look at and really fun to score. So uh, next year, lessons learned from this RockCon. Next year, it's going to be cheaper. Next year, we're just going to try and almost fill up that hall with Warhammer Fantasy. We're going to see what we can do to make sure that happens. So everybody that went told me they had a really good time. I talked to everybody afterwards. I haven't had. I definitely solicited feedback, and I got a a lot of comments on just how people appreciated that they didn't have to play people that they drove with, even though it was a small tournament. And the things went a lot better than they did last year. So I really enjoyed it. And it was really, really fun to run the tournament, which I didn't anticipate because last year was so stressful. <laughs> but, yeah, it, it turned out great. Yeah, it was. It was much, It was very well done. Uh, big congratulations. Thanks to Paul for running it. And thanks to all the winners and mm-hmm. and participants in this year's Rock Hunt. It was a lot of fun to have you guys there. And I enjoyed playing in it as much as it would have been nice to just sit there. After all, this was the start of our 24 hours of craziness. So We'll get into that in the next segment, right, Ben? All right. We'll talk about that in just a little bit. What, what, what's that place? The last, the last circle? The, the last triangle? No, wait. The last square. That's what it is. The last square located on O'Dana Road. Have you been there? Yeah. Yeah, they have... A huge selection of miniatures, everything from five millimeter scale all the way up to twenty five, twenty eight, everything you could imagine. Yeah, it's the basically the war game store of Madison, Wisconsin, with every wargaming need you can just about imagine or think you wanted, and a lot of things you didn't even know you wanted. Exactly. They also have model railroads and rockets. All sorts of good stuff for the geek in ya. Alright. And if you can't get to the square, you can always check them out on their website, thelastsquare.com. Exactly. Okay, we are back. Uh huh. All right, so we are going to go ahead and our main topic for 22B is the gaming marathon. The gaming marathon? What is that? Well, basically, anytime you do an extended, oh, I'd say more than, say, 16 hours of straight gaming of one form or the other. Well, that's never happened before in my life. Well, that's not true. It's happened several times before in my life. Yeah. That's I've only done it I think once where I've done a a truly more than sixteen hours of real gaming in a period. I think I've done like four to five times. But it involved computer gaming and activity. So you keep yourself awake a couple of times and then board games, etc. several other times as well. I've done some I've done I mean, some big board game days where it's been like 10 12 hours but nothing nothing on the scale of what we just went to, what we just did. Not even a Gen Con? No, not even a Gen really? Con. I did 
Gen Con several times I was playing games or running games for up to 16 plus hours. So No, my my Gen Con experience is usually go to Gen Con, I mm-hmm. get in a few events through the day, at some point reasonably evening-ish, get back to the hotel room, crash, go out with, crash and or go out with the group that I came with uh-huh. for hanging out, dinner, drinks, whatever. Nice. Finding a bar on the town or something. That's usually, or we or we end up having bar, beers at the hotel room or something like that. So that's that's usually my Gen Con experience. I don't think I've ever, like this year, Saturday at Gen Con was probably the closest thing to a, what you could almost call a marathon. But, it, but I didn't do any gaming on Saturday during the day really <laughs> at the con, other than a couple of intros. It was more of, okay, I'm at Gen Con. I went Saturday, I went wandered around the vendor hall and made all my purchases and then i turned around okay let's go get dinner we had we went and ended up in going back to the hotel after some confusion about dinner and finding out about horrendous wait times at a couple of local restaurants we wanted to go to uh-huh. conveniently strangely when there's a convention in downtown indianapolis all of the downtown indianapolis restaurants were also packed who'd have thunk it yeah who'd have thought obviously not the tourists that came into town that would have been me uh-huh. and so we ended up you know going back to the hotel room and at that point since we were back at the hotel room and by this time it was like eight o'clock or nine o'clock it was beers in the hotel room and we played we actually played games in the hotel room which was something <laughs> which was like kind of a gen con first for me nice so well i think that actually speaks to our first little subtopic about this which is preparation for a gaming marathon, number one, you got to find people to do this with, right? Yeah, I mean, there's got to be, you really got to kind of commit to having at least one or two people that you're taking along with and that are also committed to doing this, I think. Mm-hmm. It's not something that you can kind of just bounce around and be like, oh, I'll find somebody to play. You've got to like get a commitment from at least one, two, or three other people. It's, it's really useful mm-hmm. because then not only that, but by having that commitment from the one or two other people means that when you get into the late hours, they're like, oh, let's go do something. Or, you know, come on, we got to keep going. And that mm-hmm. helps encourage you and keep you going. Yeah, I think also for me, running RockCon at the beginning of this helped a lot because there was no way I could get out of it. It was just, I need to be there. This needs to happen. So even if I'm having a really busy week or whatever, the start of this, it's my responsibility to be there. Instead of just being like, oh, Saturday, we're totally going to game for 24 hours. And if we don't make it, eh, it's not the end of the world. We'll try again next Saturday. It has to be almost an event to really make sure that this is going to get the traction it needs to be able to go for the full 24 hours. I don't know if, I don't know how much of it needs to be an event. I was after doing this, I'm like, okay, I need a couple weekends off. Mm-hmm. But then I'd like to do it again. <laughs> Maybe not 24 full hours. That was hours. not what you said at 24 hours. At 24 hours, no, you said, I, was... I do not want to see another game for like a week. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I don't know if I'd want to do another 24 hours straight anytime yeah. really soon. But I, doing the doing another, like, 16-hour marathon of gaming or an 18-hour marathon of gaming would mm-hmm. be really cool. Because that was, that was going into, like, hour 21 even. It wasn't too bad no. doing what we were doing. It was, like, about halfway through that Tomb King game. 
or that that hammer. I was starting to crash, and <laughs> and you could hear it even when you in the in the episode. You could hear me like I it went downhill in negativity. I mean, I was negative to begin with because I was sucks. really knew I really knew how the game was going to go, but then it really went down the south. tubes. Um, and yeah, really. Well, I wouldn't say that. I wouldn't quite say it went south, but it, I was. I could hear myself get like really really Despondent. harshly negative. Yeah. And there was a couple, like, I was really trying not hard not to swear, and then all of a sudden the couple of the curses went, it came out, and and, you, and there was there was a certain, like, okay, this is, we've got to get through this. Yep, got to get through this, but this is getting to the point of not enjoyable. <laughs> yeah. I think also part of the preparation is making sure that you have a space to game in, and you have a place to go for the wee hours of the night. I know David and Christopher from Garage Hammer, they actually talked with a gaming store so that it would stay open all night. And I think several other also paint, painting tables I heard, they yeah, had they actually had an entire game store stay open all 24 hours for them as well. And that's an important part as well, making sure that there is a space available. Ben and I were lucky enough to have a place here and at a friend's house to be able to game for the entire 24 hours. But that might not be an option. So plan to find a place to be able to spend 24 hours gaming. Yeah, we actually did jump around a little bit. We started out with Rockon, setting up, preparing for that, and then going through the Rockon tournament. Mm -hmm. And then after Rockon, we had to cruise back from Rockford to Madison, Madison mm -hmm. and we ended up catching board games over at a buddy's house, mm -hmm. Jason's, who's been out, he was on episode five point five, episode five and five point five actually. <laughs> and then we had, and then when after we were done at Jason's, where they kind of broke down and they were they were still <laughs> hanging out but it was obvious that it was no unwind going to go on unwide time and they were going more into drinking and chatting and you know we couldn't afford that we needed to keep gaming we you know we hopped back in the car and scooted over to the Conesies and finished out the night with all the stuff we planned on doing doing then which is actually honestly our hardest part it was we probably played more games we were more dedicated to just straight gaming, 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 mm -hmm. like back-to-back -back games with almost no break time once we got the Conesies at that point. And that's, I think, mm -hmm. partially because we were getting to the point of exhaustion that if we didn't keep ourselves occupied, occupied and going, <laughs> we were going to couch it. <laughs> and the last point I'd make that it was really helpful to have a reason to play for 24 hours raising money for extra life. It was really helpful to be like, no, I've made this commitment. This is going to happen. Yeah, I mean, that was like, okay, once the donations started rolling in, like mm -hmm. right when initially we, we weren't seeing any donations rolling, we were still sitting there with like zero, you know, that was going to be like, okay, I know we're part of Team Cranky. I know that <laughs> we are trying to shoot for this fundraising goal, mm -hmm. but nobody's donated to us, and I, I'm going to have a real hard time staying up for 24 hours when nobody's contributed <laughs> and then we got our and then i got my first contri contributions and mm -hmm. it's like oh well i'm at like 50 bucks who knows if i'm gonna get crud <laughs> i'm now i'm now i'm into this and i still haven't made my goal and i'm like dreading the fact that i might not make my goal yeah and lo and behold we both and, made our goal yeah lo, lo and behold not only did we both make our goals but we were somewhere over 300 bucks yeah um, that was three eighty something or one eighty something. Mm -hmm. You were one hundred and twelve or one hundred and thirty like something. Yeah. yeah. 
So it was over. Woo! We had over three hundred bucks. That was awesome. Team Cranky, last I checked, was somewhere over, which was the, we were all part of, all of us podcasters, whatever, were part of Team Cranky. Yeah. Somewhere over $6,000 total. Having a reason like Extra Life was really helpful, too, because, you know, you're getting tired, and then you're like, wait, I'm raising money for parents who don't know if their kid's going to live another day, and I'm going to really sit here and say, oh, I'm too tired at hour 21 to continue playing. No, I, I think I just need to continue playing up to 24 hours. That I mean, it did help. At hour 21, we did have that commitment to you folks that if we did make our goals, yeah. we were going to record that stuff. And that for me, that was as much. I mean, I'm always a sucker for doing things for kids. I mm-hmm. mean, look at what I do for Mayhem. That's all for Toys for Tots, all for the kids. Yeah. Uh, this was, I mean, it was easy when I when, when Robert, would cranky the cranky lawyer, hit us up and said, hey, would you guys be interested in participating in this? Mm-hmm. And I looked at it. And I'm like, oh my god, that's an auto, that's an auto win because that's for kids, and I'm so about doing things for kids. Yeah, exactly. It was excellent to be able to do that, but definitely at hour 21, my mm-hmm. motivation was okay. Now we got to do this recording, and I don't want it to completely stink. So let's <laughs> let's get going and let's, let's get excited about it. Let's have some fun. Yeah. And that really helped. That helped me push to the last few hours. Ah, great. Uh, well, we kind of covered already the beginning of our 24 hours, and ironically also the end, because 22A is the end of our 24 hours. So, Ben, I think our Well, job, it wasn't quite the end. It was most of the end. There, there was, was there one was, cribbage game. There was <laughs> the, I th- believe I remember hearing, like, oh, no, we got 40 minutes to go. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and then we played cribbage, and then you yelled at me for winning again. <laughs> I pretty much I did a pretty bad You're run like, there. Oh, I cannot get We got stung. back we got back to the Conzies and I don't think I won a game. No. No, you won one. You won the first game. I won the of intro of X-Wing. The, yep, so the we started, intro game of X-Wing. Yeah. So when I didn't know what I was doing, I won that. Yeah. Barely. I, I did st- completely. I, was down. I so, did completely conflugra myself in the second game and yeah. lose lose that one, but so that was actually really fun for me. I'd have, I wanted to play X-Wing, and Ben had X-Wing, so we pulled that out, and we played a couple games of that, and it was it was pretty enjoyable. It's very simple, easy-to-understand rules. They've got some really nice little guides that help you to do all the moves that you're allowed to do. So it's very clear where you're going to be moving around the board. The stats are all on the cards themselves that are on the bottom of the posts of the spaceships, and then you have them sitting in front of you. It's a very simple easy-to-understand system that made for some really fun battles, too, because there's a decent amount of tactics in it. The game is simple enough that it didn't take long to teach. Mm-mm. Like, literally, it was, you know, we, we did the practice game with a couple of very basic TIE fighters and a basic X-Wing. Yeah. And I've taught it, every time I've taught it, I've taught it with all the full rules to the game mm-hmm. because the little bit of difference from, like, what their quick start rules are yeah. And with the full blown rules of the game is so little, I might as well just teach the full rules because then the next game, because almost everybody I've taught the rules of the game to, mm-hmm. after they play like a turn or two of the base game, they're like, okay, that's kind of boring. They get like, okay, this is getting to be kind of boring. And then it's like, okay, let's stop after a couple turns of this, mm-hmm. unless it's real obvious there's going to be a winner. And. Let's play a full game. Here's your pilot cards. Here's your special things you can add on to your pilots. Yeah. There, go. Yeah, and the first game we played was just the basic, and we ended up playing to the death. And yep. that was pretty fun. 
And then we played a second game where we played to 30 points, I think you said it was? Um, was it no, we, f- no, 60. We played to the death in the second game. No, I'm sorry, but how many points was our game? I think it was a 60-point game. Yeah. And I ended up choosing Darth Vader and two named TIE Fighter pilots. And you chose... I had Skywalker mm-hmm. and Biggs, I think. Biggs. Yeah, I don't remember. <laughs> I don't remember a... who the second pilot. Maybe it was just a Red Squadron pilot. I think it was Red Squadron Two or something like Red's, that. No, there wasn't. There's no Red Squadron Two. It's either like a red. It's just Red Squadron pilot. Oh, okay. It's just basically generic X-wing pilot, and uh, and I, Luke. And that was a pretty intense game. Uh, it lasted quite a while. Yeah, you ended up blowing up my first X, my my generic X-wing. Focus and fire. Then, and then Luke. He had to make distracted. a right and took a left and went <laughs> yeah. off the board <laughs> into the trench wall. <laughs> so yeah, that was that was a big whoops. That was <laughs> that was a I oh, probably, I'm tired. <laughs> I probably don't make that mistake normally, but I'm tired and thought I was turning one way and put the marker down and then turned the other way and went off the board. And I have to say it was really helpful also. We were tweeting back and forth and so Garage Hammer was still playing Cranky Lawyer was still tweeting as well. And so there was a lot of actually tweets going back and forth about what games we were playing between everybody that was up for Extra Life and conversations happening back and forth about those games as well. For example, right before we played our game at 21 Hours, we actually played a game of Kings of War. Yeah, yeah, we did play the game of Kings <laughs> of War. That's like, wait... Did we? I'm just I trying to. Twenty. No, I knew we played. I knew we played the game, <laughs> the Kings of War. I was just trying to think of how that fell in the order. But yeah, that was right before the Warhammer game, mm-hmm. and I got to play the elves, and you played the, the orcs. orcs. Correct. And we played this. We played 670 points versus 670 points. Yeah, it, it was, was a total, small game. But, it was. It was nothing big. But neither. Basically. I had read the rules, but it had been a while since I read the rules. Mm-hmm. And Paul basically read, read the rules right between, before we played. In between turns of X-Wing, I would like read another two rules. Which is literally, I mean, we, we just did pretty much the basic rules. We didn't include any of the magic items or banners mm-hmm. or musicians or anything like that into any of the units. Yeah. And I got to say, the speed of that game caught me really off guard. Yeah. Especially how fast the orcs could come forward. Yeah, especially when you're like, okay, turn one, turn two. Oh, I got orcs on! Yeah. Yeah, was- I thought I would get to, I thought my shooting would be able to make a little bit more of a difference than it than it did. So, I mean, that's definitely a list rethink I'm going to have to address, mm-hmm. but... I also thought the heal ability of my wizard I took would have been a little more, uh, would have made a little bit more of a big deal, but it really, I took, you know, the elves took damage faster than that heal could mm-hmm. heal damage. Well, so. and I don't think we actually played to, I don't know, a, what you call it, but a maximized list. Because in the basic rules, every rank and file unit allows you to bring a character as well. And so if you had one character per unit that was being chosen, then you perhaps could have had two heals or three heals. So that would have made a huge difference in that game. It would have been a lot more points, though, to put all those characters on the board, though. Yeah. And so, I, I mean, that. I mean, there is there is that. And I don't know, even know if that... If, I mean, two heals, 2d3, wound, or 2d3 points of damage back on a unit might have been... I mean, that would have made a difference... But I mean, I was 
I mean, the orcs hit those elves, and it was like, like okay, every time they, every time the orcs hit an elf unit, it was basically tell, take the elf unit off. Yeah, and there were a couple of times early in the game from the shooting and damage I did. I had orc units down to basically 50-50 rolls on two of your units. And I succeeded on both. Yeah, to, to take them off the board. And Well, I was playing with Wisco dice. I played that game with Wiscos. Oh, okay. I'm pretty sure, yeah, I used the Wisco dice for that one. Oh, I was playing as well. It wasn't know. in the Tomb King game. Doo-doo. In the Tomb King game, I did not use Wisco <laughs> dice. I used um, uh, another set of Chessex dice I had laying around. Yeah, if, if I'm going to point out the most... The biggest differences for me playing Kings of War versus any other tabletop war game that I've played, number one, characters weren't as important in I, the I list. Th- I think that was a little more your, for, for what we played. For, yeah. what, for what we played, and also like your list, the character wasn't nearly as critical. Yeah. My list, I think I used my character badly because mm-hmm. I had we just had one character each, and you had an orc on a chariot. That was your character. Yeah, and he, he allowed was just, me to re-roll. He just, he just hit like a ton of bricks. Yeah, he did. But everything in the orc list hit like a ton of bricks. Mm-hmm. And my character, um, I originally thought she was gonna, she was, I was gonna use my elven mage, mm-hmm. whatever they called her, as a healer to the units, mm-hmm. and that was my the way I applied her initially early in the game. And in reality, what I should have done is I should have used her in the yeah, as a damage dealer, mm-hmm. because that would have I I needed to get that extra complement to my shooting out, to really and I didn't do to, to to hopefully bust one of those orc units before they could engage. Mm-hmm. Uh, the second thing, and this was kind of actually fun, was there's no protracted combats at all. Each turn, you charge in, that unit attacks. You resolve that battle, and if nobody runs away, you just move one inch back. Well, yeah, so the next turn, then the opponent not if nobody gets does it runs away. It's just your opponent. If your opponent doesn't run away, you move an inch back from their unit. Yeah, and so you're not in combat for multiple turns. It's You charge in, you do damage. If they don't break, you move an inch back. If they do break, great, you win. I mean, it really is simple and very clear cut. And there's, I mean, there's no huge scrums in the middle of the battlefield either. Well, you could end up being, but you could end up being. There's a big cluster of units in the center of the battlefield mm-hmm. if everybody was bouncing off of each other and not doing a lot of damage. But yeah, I mean that's that's it, it was really one of the big key points of the game that we played mm-hmm. was was I, I, the like, you know in my mind I charge in with my orcs. Okay, I'm gonna hit sit there until you break. And then we get to the end of the first round of combat. I attack, you don't. Oh, I just move an inch back. And, oh, you charge me now? That didn't happen uh, very uh, often. It did happen once, though. <laughs> I was like, uh-oh, you're charging, my, you're charging my trolls and they've already taken damage. Not only that, but you're looking at it and going, uh-oh, now I've just, because I charged in and you didn't explode, mm-hmm. now I'm out of position and you hitting me in the flank. Mm-hmm. Which is, I mean, at one point I looked at it. And my archers were lined up for a flank charge. I think on on said trolls. Yeah, and I'm like, well, I could shoot these trolls, mm-hmm. or I could charge in and get twice as many attacks. So charge in, I'll get charge twice in. as many attacks. <laughs> exactly. It it was definitely a different thought process playing Kings of War. So I mean, that was it was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed playing it. I'm really looking forward to to getting another game in and mm-hmm. to getting. 
more of my elf models put together. My my single largest complaint about Kings of War is simply that I know that they had rules and models that they're going to be putting out for the Kickstarter that they didn't include in the rule book. Because I, I was hoping to be able to play demons versus undead and they didn't have rules for demons in there. I was like, oh, okay. But... I can understand why they Maybe. didn't. They they probably had the book already completely done before they actually did it with the Kickstarter. But well, I don't. I think it was partially that, and mm-hmm. partially that when you look at what they plan, their Kickstarter plan was, and what they were digging into, especially late in the Kickstarter campaign, mm-hmm. you were looking at stuff that they weren't planning on doing or working on for five years out. Yeah. No. And so, and, and the way they've released things mm-hmm. is that those would have been probably web supplements yeah. or things that they would have put in like the Mantic Journal mm-hmm. or that they, they would have actually came out with an expansion book. And I think there is an expansion book even planned mm-hmm. that was part of the Kickstarter. So, Yeah, and that, yeah, that that's a very, very minor complaint because it doesn't really bother me. But I, I, I was actually thinking it'd be cool to be able to play Undead versus Demons in Kings of War and then play Undead versus Demons in Warhammer and actually, really get a clear idea in my mind of how they differ. You know, I didn't use Wisco dice in the Kings of War game either. No, you didn't. I used I the Mantic you. dice. Yes, you did. You used the Splat dice, and that's why you lost. No, probably not. <laughs> I, I think I misapplied. I really, after the game, thinking about what I did, I think I misapplied how the elves are supposed to be used in that game, mm-hmm. particularly against the orcs anyways. Yeah. And they, I was caught really off guard at how fast the orcs came across the board mm-hmm. because they were move five, weren't they? Yeah. Move five. You move six. I didn't spread my forces out at all, mm-hmm. so you could just basically come straight at my <laughs> battle line that was all pretty kind of tucked close together. And that's what I did. And you were able to just kind of you just march straight forward two turns. All of a sudden, you know, you're in the grill and and can maneuver a little bit. And that's I mean that completely caught me off guard. And mm-hmm. then the next thing I knew, I'm down two units, and I'm like, uh oh. Well, it kind of seems that if you're within charge range. Even if you're not that good in combat, there's no reason not to charge. Eh, there might be. I mean, I mean, there's still positioning and mm-hmm. stuff like that because you could be. I mean, you could have been. Uh, but I could have. I mean, in in our battle, I think that might have been actually a mistake because I was lined up pretty much straightforward. So you charging in wouldn't have exposed flanks to anything, and you decided to shoot instead because you're like, oh, I get the same amount of dice. So why would I do it differently? But I think maybe charging in would have actually made a difference. I don't know that it would have made a difference, though, honestly, because it would have done the same damage, mm-hmm. and then you were able to charge me. But I was able to charge you it, anyway. The charging, the charging versus shoot phase was mm-hmm. just basically where the units ended up on the board. And because I didn't charge, mm-hmm. I was able to get the trolls in the flank. Yes, but if you would have charged, you would have gotten your phalanx bonus, so you would have added plus five dice to one of the units. And that could have potentially put enough damage on me so that when you charged it the second time, you could have had a better chance at breaking. Yeah, the second time my units were taken off the board. <laughs> well, I, I charged them the first time. And I, and you took two units off the board. Okay, so I only maybe had, it was just two percent. I, <laughs> I had 50% of my forces left after the first charge. after your first charge. So, I mean, I was, I was down half my army after your first charge. It was that literally the orcs were that brutal. Well, I think you can tell from our conversation that this uh, system bears some further investigation. I really, I really excited to play another game because it definitely, for me, like the elves played mm-hmm. so much different than how Warhammer elves would play. Well, and, and what I really like about it is that you can literally pick up any army that you have and be like, oh, what's the special rule for this army? 
okay, I know the special rule for this army. Let's go. Yeah, I mean the 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 but the game. I think the game had some serious depth, and I'm really mm-hmm. looking forward to playing another game of it and playing a uh, playing a little bigger game and uh, and having now that I've had exposed and have this experience with the game to be able to make some decisions and changes to a, what I was what I want to build for my elf list and and how I want to apply it. Very cool. So I was really glad to get my first game of Kings of War in. I'm very high on the game. All right, and we're going to do some time travel now. We're going to move back to when we arrived at Jason's. Oh yeah, let's go ahead and cover <laughs> what we did there. So we we ended up we ended up grabbing dinner on the drive back to from Rock Con and went Correct. over to Jason's because he was hosting board game day conveniently on the twentieth as well. Yay! And there's a lot of people there. It was like sixteen, twenty. Well, there was, people. Yeah, there was probably twenty-ish, twenty-ish players there when because mm-hmm. they had. I think they had six or seven playing on the table. They were just getting started with a battle or Battlestar Galactica game on the main table. And then all the girls were playing Agricola. They were setting that up, and I think they had a full full complement of players there. Mm-hmm. Was it five or six for Agricola? I don't remember. And then they were playing all creatures great and small, which is the two player version of Agricola in the side room, which yeah, is where so we ended been- up landing. Yeah, it must have been 15-ish players. There were still a couple other people floating in between games that weren't really playing. Yeah, So there was probably yeah, 15 players, 15, 16 players there, yeah. So we ate dinner and watched the All Creatures Great and Small finish up. And then we decided to play the next game, which was Seven Wonders, right? Seven Wonders with both expansions. Yeah, uh, with leaders and... And cities. And the cities. So... I have an abnormally strong hatred towards card-based games because I played Magic and it was way too much money. But I have to say, after playing Seven Wonders, I really, really enjoyed it. It was really fun, and it's got a kind of quirky, unique mechanic to it that you don't see in card-based games that I've never seen in a card-based game. So the basic mechanic that they use, there's a lot of whole other rules, and you're really going to have to kind of go into the rule book to figure out how it works, but... The basic point of the game is to get as many victory points as you can, and there's several different ways of getting the victory points. But the unique mechanic that they use is that you get dealt a hand of, say, four, five, six, or seven cards. You look through the hand of cards, you pick out the one that you want to, you want the most, and you can afford to pay for. You play that card, and then you take your hand and you pass it to the right or to the left. Depending on the age. There's three ages in the game. Mm-hmm. And in the first and the third age, you pass cards, I believe, to the left. And then in the second age, you pass the cards to the right. So you then get your uh, opponent's cards to look through to choose one and then pass again in the same direction. And so for the first, however many players there are playing, you get to look at new cards each round. And then you get back to the cards that you originally started passing and... There's just a lot of different decisions because you're not aware of the whole situation of which cards are going to be available at the beginning of the round. And you have to make decisions in this with this incomplete information. And it makes it a little bit more fun and a little bit more interesting to play than the standard card-based games that I've played in the past. So I liked it so much I insisted we play it again immediately after playing the first game. Yeah, so we, we ended up playing on a kind of a small table. And there's one thing Seven Wonders does take up. Because you end up playing all these cards in front of you. By the time you're done with the third age, you've got probably, you know, 20, 25 cards probably in front of you. Mm-hmm. Well, seven. I shouldn't say. Yeah, 
so each age should be seven cards each. Plus, we were playing with leaders, so there's another three cards. And we are playing with cities, so there's an extra three cards that you play. Well, there's an extra, yeah, an extra three cards for ages. So there's three. Seven's 21, plus three leaders is 24, plus three additional cards, 27. So 27 cards, potentially, mm-hmm. plus your wonder card, starting card, coins, whatever, that you have all in front of the other potential tokens that you can get. Yeah, so there's a lot of real estate that gets taken up while playing so, this well, game. And we had seven people playing the first time we played. <laughs> seven people so playing So that thing wonders. was just packed with stuff on the board. Yeah. And the second time we played, I think we had four or five of us playing. Mm-hmm. So it was a little more reasonable. Everybody had a little more arm room and space to put their stuff on the table. Yep. Both games were really good. I won the first one, mm-hmm. which was, I think, the last time I won anything that day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And I don't remember who won the second one, but well, it wasn't me. But both games were sure. really, both games were really good. I know I was close in the second. I think I was second in the second mm-hmm. one. I I love Seven Wonders. It's one of my favorite games to play. It doesn't. It's not a terrible game to teach. Mm-hmm. Although I don't think we did a great job of teaching. We probably <laughs> no. the first the first game we probably should not have had the leaders or the cities expansion in. Yeah, it because it, it would have been. So much better to teach because it just took us forever to teach it. And well, then you had two or three people helping to teach it too. <laughs> so the, and, and none of us were good teachers. No. <laughs> I mean, I enjoyed the effort. There was a lot of effort put into it. But I think it would have been better if we wouldn't have taught it with the two expansions the first time through. In hindsight, that's what we shouldn't have done. Yeah. But game two, everybody, after playing the first game, everybody had seen that was playing, had seen the mechanics, seen how it worked. Mm-hmm. And game two is a lot more competitive, I thought. Yeah, I mean it was. I mean I love playing that game. It's a really good. It's a really good game. Usually plays. Usually the game plays in about an hour. Mm-hmm. Usually with four or five players. One of one of the things that I hate about some games is that there's a lot of downtime between when you take your turn and then when you get to take your turn again. And in Seven Wonders, there's none of that because you're constantly, like, everybody's turns are pretty much simultaneously. It's okay. They pass me cards. I take a card out of my hand. I put it down in front of me. I pass the cards. Mm-hmm. Wait for the wait for pass to be called where everybody's put their card down in front of them, flip it up, polite, resolve the card, move on to the next one. Yeah. I mean, it's constantly going with a little bit of downtime. Once the age, once you change ages for calculating military and such like that. Mm-hmm. You know, usually at the point when we calculate, when we were at that point too, people are running to the bathroom or whatever if they need to. Yeah. So great game. It's great for a if you're having a board game day and you need to, you know, and one game's like you got two games going and one game finishes an hour early or half an hour, forty five minutes early. That never happens at a board game day, does it? Never. It's a great game to kind of use as a filler, mm-hmm. just like Carcassonne is, because it plays pretty quickly. You can play it in an hour and be done, and and it's not where it has like this overcomplicated mechanic that's p- people are gonna take forever having to try to figure out all the options they can do on their turn. And there actually was one more game that was played during the twenty four hours, but it was between me and Meal. I actually played Meal after he won the tournament with Mono Corn List. It wasn't the same list that I played Ben with. It it was just straight corn with a Bloodthirster, a couple units of Blood Crushers. You know, the hounds and a lot of blood letters. And that was pretty fun. Although it wasn't really uh, full attention paid to it because as the tournament was ending, I was entering in all the scores and stuff. But Making I'm, me have to log into my laptop like 80 times. Yeah, I know. 
You know, I probably could have saved myself the grief if I just gave you the password. Yeah, well, that's okay. So it ended up with Mio winning four games at the tournament instead of just three because he ended up demolishing my mark of corn. But in all honesty, I wasn't trying as hard because I was trying to finish off what I was doing. So, But I definitely enjoyed getting a game in against Mio. I always enjoy playing games against him. So oh, I, I love playing against Mio. I just mm-hmm. haven't like, – the last four or five games I've had against him – have just been terribly lopsided. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's not even been close. And that's not usually usual for games. Like, historically, that's not been the way games have been between me and him. They've usually mm-hmm. been pretty close where one or the other of us gets the advantage near the end. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, like I said, last, this year has been just really, really lopsided. And this last one was lopsided because of a freak of nature on the dice. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that pretty much covers the gaming marathon that we did, Ben. Do you agree? Yeah, I'm pretty sure that we pretty we covered uh, everything that you'd want to, you know, what we did and and all the fun we had. And I think we, we spotlighted out a couple of games there that uh, I know there weren't Warhammer, but they were part of what we did and part of what you during a gaming marathon. You got to mix it you up. You got to mix it up. You can't just keep playing. I don't know anybody that could have gone 24 hours just playing nonstop Warhammer. Well, okay, have- well, wait a minute. I could have done that myself probably. But at some point I would have been like, oh, my God, I'm hating the game. Well, and I think also 24 hours of Warhammer would make sense if we were playing a narrative gaming campaign or something like that where we're really driving a story forward instead of just worrying about who wins and who loses as much. Mm, I've done... Like bring in battles where I've done six, seven, eight games of just pickup games in a day, and, that, and you enjoyed that. Yeah, I had great times. All right, well, we'll have to try that if you want us to try that. It wasn't playing the same know? person every game mm-hmm. either. It was you know five, six, seven different opponents during mm-hmm. the day, ending the day on a big two on two game or mm-hmm. something like that. But I've, I mean, I've done that before. That's a lot of fun. I mean, I've enjoyed it. That was kind of also when I played tons and tons of tons of Warhammer too, <laughs> and I I don't I don't get as many opportunities to do that anymore. All right, well I think we're gonna take a quick break here, and then we'll be back to wrap up the show. Are you tired of playing the same group of guys in your basement every week? Check out the WWHFB Wisconsin Warhammer Fantasy Battles League. Check it out at wwhfb.com with regions in Madison, Milwaukee, Stevens Point, and Lacrosse. Anywhere in Wisconsin, you're going to find somebody to play. WWHFB.com. Wisconsin Warhammer Fantasy Battles League. Okay, we is back. We is back. Come on, Paul. You're ready to go. 7 a.m. Let's go. Let's do another marathon. No, I'm tired. Come on. I'm tired. Ah, you're wissing out on me. What a wuss. Yeah. And now it's time for... All right, so today on the Conzie's Rant... Yeah, what's it going to be about? Well, everybody's kind of aware today the hit the shelves today with the new White Dwarf and the new Chaos Warrior models. Uh, I have a feeling this might enter into it. So today's Conzie's Rant is about White Dwarf, actually. Okay. So this is the first time in a long time I've picked up a White Dwarf. Mm-hmm. And I I really picked it up because there were new rules that I could only get in the White Dwarf, and I wanted to make sure I had these available coming and going into Mayhem. 
So I go to the last square, pick up my white dwarf, mm-hmm. and they tell me it's $10 and some odd change. Which, first and foremost, I've got to kind of flip my lip that i got to pay $10 and some odd change to pick up a magazine. That just seems way over the top ridiculous for a price. All right. I'm like, okay, everybody's talking. I've heard all all these other podcasts and whatever. They're really high on the white dwarf now. Mm-hmm. They've they've changed things. It's got to be better. So I get it. I flip it open. Like the first fifteen pages is all ads. No, first it's all, fifteen it's pages all, is the new models, and they're telling it's you about all that. new models, which is fine and dandy because this is the first spot I can see them. Mm-hmm. But in like two weeks. I will, I mean, I will, this will all be on their, I mean, it's already on their website mm-hmm. for in their pre-order stuff. It's our, all the models are up there. So the only thing I'm really looking at is maybe a few designer notes on stuff. Mm-hmm. And that's about it. And then I'm like, okay, so where's the great hobby articles? Okay, there's a couple of two-page articles on hobby articles. And there was a six-page article on converting 40K figures. There was, but I don't really care about the 40K figures, so <laughs> that didn't have any value add. And there's no loader stuff. Nope. At all, which is disappointing because that's a value add usually for me. Especially since with a lot of the old loader stuff, they are trying, in a lot of the old White Dwarfs, the loader stuff, they would do a lot of terrain and stuff because the terrain for Loader of the Rings, they've never produced product for. So they, you know, you to get those crafting articles. So you didn't get any of that. Yeah, they got some conversion stuff for 40k, but again, I don't care about converting Space Marines. But it's not a huge. I mean, I played one game of 40k. Yeah. <laughs> wow. I play like one game of 40k about every really two about? <laughs> or three years, and so I don't play. I mean, it's not anything that's. Like really, like it's not actively in my play cycle, mm-hmm. and I'm certainly not looking to get into the background of the fluff. I just kind of play it as an off game. Mm-hmm. I, and I certainly, for those guys that are out there that play 40k and find that hugely, vastly useful, great. But overall, I ended up paying ten dollars and some odd change mm-hmm. to buy a magazine that literally had the only they at the end of the day the only thing I'm going to get for out of this magazine are the rules for two units that me personally, I'm never going to field. And that it just, I don't find anything in it. It looks very similar to the, I mean, as far as layout, the material that was covered, what was done in this magazine. I don't see, where's the change? I don't see any change. What, what did you change games workshop in the white dwarf? It looks like the same exact, white dwarf with a little bit different cover art to what I bought way back in or way back in Storm of Magic came out to get the Storm of Magic previews. No change. It's the same magazine. The battle report was the same concocted battle report of let's showcase all the shiny new models and not really showcase a real game it was it was obvious it seemed obvious to me that it was a staged game let's go ahead and sh- the warhammer world table that they showcased was that was kind of neat but i would have instead of showing me a bunch of cool pictures of the finished project i wish they would have told me more about how they did the project because there's a lot of kit bashing in that 
that I don't know how to I don't know how they get bashed all those plastic kits and I'd love to build like the big giant tower that in that article. I wouldn't mind going out and dropping. If you told me, if you gave me the instructions and how you built that, I might actually go out and buy the $200 in kits that I got to buy to build that. Mm-hmm. But you didn't give me the instructions. You gave me some afterthoughts and some pictures of it. And I go, wow, that looks awesome. Too bad I cannot, do, I don't know how to do that. So I don't have the, and I don't, you don't give me the instructions. And I can't afford to drop two, you know, to buy two of the huge towers and then a couple other kits. And, uh, and I can't afford to drop $200 on, on kits to try to kit bash this without any instructions. I don't know that many people that got like, oops, I made a mistake. Now I got to throw these pieces out for this $25 or this $40 kit or whatever it was and have to buy another one. I just don't know anybody that has that. So I'm, I'm really disappointed. I was really hoping that things had changed in the white dwarf land and I don't see any change. So I just see the same white dwarf that you've always been doing. And I, I completely disagree with Ben on this point. I've been subscribing to white dwarf for years I've seen you, you disagree. Big, you different big. There's, dis- there's no difference, Paul. It's the same thing. I know I that you guy. keep saying that, but they had design notes on the War Shrine. They had design notes. On they the had Trench design Warfare. notes in the Storm of Magic one that I have downstairs. They are not nearly as intense and specific and showing where the progress went into designing these specific models. I'm sorry, they aren't. I, I'm sorry, I don't see that. They didn't have the army showcase of the army that I looked at and saw. In, on the forums in England three days ago or three weeks ago, and I was like, wow, I really, 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 really want to see that army. And then it's sitting right there in the army showcase in White Dwarf, and I'm like, wow, this is a tournament army. And last week, last month, they had a specific battle report about two tourney players playing two tourney lists, explaining exactly why they did what they did and exactly why they took the choices that they took. I don't need to and, buy White Dwarf to get that, though. Yeah, but that's the thing. Is you say I can get all this information anywhere else, and I can get it better. So I'm not sure why you thought that White Dwarf was going to change because you think that somehow White Dwarf is going to become the seminal hobby you, magazine. You really, you really missed what I just what I just said. White Dwarf used to be when I first got into the hobby. Mm-hmm. They used to focus on. Much more. How do I make this project? Mm-hmm. How do I make this from scratch? And when where I, I need to, there is no more in from scratch in White Dwarf. It is in this episode. This art. This White Dwarf was almost entirely the exact same mold that I got when I bought my Storm of Magic. Almost identically to. The, the bombshell, the same exact methodology that they did for the Storm of Magic one, they did for this one. Um, well, we're going to have to agree to disagree then because I just simply don't agree. You're, I think you're too far in love with it. All right, essentially this is the same thing that Dave and I were talking on tw- on Twitter about Kings of War, mm-hmm. and we asked for... Uh, I, I think Dave asked for your feedback, mm-hmm. and you gave quite honest feedback, but it wasn't necessarily a glowing warm shiny review it was honest mm-hmm. feedback and we both got on to you got on you for it a little bit and 
all of a sudden, then it, you know, at some point, I realized that oh, hey, wait a minute, he's giving honest feedback about it, mm-hmm. but he's a but he's not the huge fan of the game that Dave and I are, and we're you know anything we're seeing negative about it or potentially negative, we don't want to see or hear. Yeah, especially when there's other people that are kind of talking and paying attention to this conversation that are like, well, what's the value add for me? Yeah. And it and, seems and, but like that's flip flop. And, and here. it's exactly the flip flop here is that I, I don't see the value add in purchasing a white dwarf mm-hmm. or that I didn't see the value add. The last white dwarf I purchased was the one before Storm of Magic. Mm hmm. And honestly, I did purchase it in that case. I purchased it very specifically because I really wanted to get a picture of the new Black Dragon kit to mm-hmm. show my wife because she w- I knew she would love it. Yeah. And they didn't have pictures out on the web quite yet. Yeah. But otherwise, the content and the material, mm-hmm. there might be slight improvement, like you say. Mm-hmm. I, I can't say that 100% for sure because I just picked it up and looked at I've just flipped it over and I've read a couple of the of the articles that grabbed my attention right away, mm-hmm. but I haven't had a chance to read the whole thing. But f- my overall impression is that this new White Dwarf, mm-hmm. there's no, it, it's so little, it's so marginally different than the White Dwarf that I bought two years ago or whenever Storm of Magic came out. Yeah. That I, it, it's just, it, there's, it doesn't seem like a value add. And I remember when wh- I got White Dwarfs that go back 10, 15 years now, that I can fl- I flip open and still look at and use mm-hmm. for referencing hobby articles and terrain articles and stuff like that that they have in them. And I just can't see myself flipping this white dwarf open three months from now. I just don't see where the value add is in it. Maybe if I was into the Space Marine convert or the, the 40K conversions, maybe I'd flip open to that. Mm-hmm. And maybe I'd flip open to... There is a couple of kind of neat painting articles, mm-hmm. but they're only a couple pages each. Well, and I, that, I, I, I might grab it for that, mm-hmm. but I mean, I just can't. I just it doesn't seem like there's any any great value add. So if you were on the fence about white dwarfs before, mm-hmm. I would tell you to stay on the fence, mm-hmm. just because. I mean, I I don't think I think I think if you go out and you drop the kind of money they're asking for it for. Ten dollars plus a copy at your local game store. That's mm-hmm. if if I was paying six, if I was paying five bucks for this, mm-hmm. I don't think I'd be upset. Yeah, I'm paying ten plus dollars. That's almost a mini. I mean, that's almost a, that's a character model. Mm-hmm. That's you know, I could buy some of the small twelve and a half dollars. Like that's three Chaos Marines for me with bolters. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, just I don't see that. I don't. I mean, for the price tag I'm paying for it. I just can't see the value add for it and for me, and that's and that's where I'm I'm ranting about it is that I was really hopeful, mm-hmm. deep down I was really hopeful that that White Dwarf had drastically changed. I know you were really high on it, and I listened to other shows that were really high on it, mm-hmm. and it's not, it's not a drastic change at all. It's very minor. It's very subtle the changes, and I don't know that it's an. I, for me personally, it's certainly not enough. I don't need a showcase of what the new models are that are coming out, that are effectively coming out a week after or two weeks after the White Dwarf releases. What I need is something that helps, or the reason I want to grab that White Dwarf is sure I want to have that material. Mm-hmm. I want to know about the new models. There were certainly things that were in the White Dwarf. That I hadn't heard about before, like the some of the basing kits and stuff. There were mm-hmm. those things look awesome. 
Yeah. But I don't need. I didn't need a white dwarf to tell. I didn't need to pick up a ten dollar magazine to tell me that. Mm-hmm. To add, expect your customers to pick up a ten dollar magazine to catch word about these cool new basing products. That's not right, and that's where I'm coming from here in this rant. Yeah, and like I said, uh, for me, I love getting this in my mailbox every month. And I love seeing the pictures of the models. And uh, for you, I completely understand where you're coming from. In three months, I definitely understand why you wouldn't want to pick this up and look at the miniatures again. But I, I love the pictures of the battle scenes. I go back and I look through Storm of Magic just to look at the battle scenes themselves. And I love to look at it and see what conversions they did and and how they changed things and the color tones and everything in it. And that's, that's just some a different appreciation that I have of the magazine. And for me... Having that excitement about the hobby in my mailbox every month is really what drives me to appreciate it. And when I didn't have it, I missed it. And for you, you don't need that excitement. Yeah, I used to. You, ha- you want more practical advice, and that you're right. White Dwarf doesn't have that. I mean, it's, it's very it's- simple evidence in my art project that I made with the Tree of Woe. I didn't pick a White Dwarf from last year. I didn't pick a White Dwarf from five years ago. I picked one from 10 years ago because that had the project that I could actually make from scratch. Yeah, they they just don't sh- – I mean, there's no – I could understand that they don't want to put projects that are like complete scratch builds that you could go out to the store, like your local hobby store. Yeah. I can appreciate that you don't, you don't have projects like that that you showcase in your signature catalog. Mm-hmm. But if you showcased me – you show me this awesome picture of this really neat converted tower and this really cool converted table. I mean, that article, if you would have told me how to build all of that from square one or just showcase, like, here's this realm of battle board. And now in this white dwarf, we're going to showcase how to do the centerpiece. Mm-hmm. And in next week's white dwarf, we're going to showcase how to do a couple of the other pieces. Mm-hmm. And in the next week's white dwarf, we're going to showcase how we painted up the realm of battle board. You know, that motivates me to drop the money to buy that because all of a sudden now you've given me the instruction set that I can put this now in my basement. Mm -hmm. But instead, you show me some pictures and you give me people's afterthoughts and don't tell me anything. I mean, like, we get into the, the, they show me 40, they show me some cool 40K conversions. They really did. I mean, they, they, 40K conversions in there are, that, that, that article was there. I think there's some good stuff there. Mm -hmm. But, I remember an old white dwarf where they built an entire table from scratch yeah. based on a uh, video game that was one of the Warhammer countless 40K video games that they've mm-hmm. produced or that's been produced over the years. And the table, they went from basically the ground up and showed me the entire process, mm-hmm. maybe not in so many pictures, but there was definitely the construction picture so you can kind of see where they were going from picture to picture to picture, and then with the article describing how they did it, mm-hmm. that was a huge value add. Just giving me some pictures of the finished product and then kind of telling me how you did it from an after view, mm-hmm. I'm struggling to to get there because I don't see how, especially when you're using your different model kits. Like I said, it's $200 of the model kits at mm-hmm. least, I would, I'm sure, to try to, and I'm not going to go out and buy those to try to duplicate their work mm-hmm. because I know I would me- make mistakes and would have to drop when you, when uh, when you're making mistakes on a twenty five dollar kit means you got a thirty dollar kit means you got to go out and and that thirty dollar kit makes one model you got to go out and buy another one mm-hmm. I don't make that kind of money that I can afford to go get another one so 
that's my feedback on it, and I, I and take it for what it is. If you love just looking at the pictures and whatever, and you've got the extra cash to throw out at a white dwarf or a white dwarf description subscription, mm-hmm. go for it. Don't don't get me wrong. Don't don't be don't don't let the Conesy tell you not to. Mm-hmm. I'm not trying to say that at all. But what I'm trying to say in my in my heartfelt Conesy's rant here is that white dwarf really hasn't drastically changed people there are there's been some press out there that says it has it's not a drastic change it's the same white door if you're going to pick it up you're going to look at pretty much the same stuff so as you move forward just keep that in mind maybe save your cash for instead of the white dwarf get models if you if you were on the fence all right and that was cold Okay, so let's go ahead and try to set ourselves some hobby and gaming goals for the next week. Oh, well, I'm going to, I don't know if I'm going to work. I'll probably have to work on just getting all my Marauders up to snuff. Yeah, because you got, you got North Star prep, for don't you? Uh, I have North Star prep again because I'm no longer bringing ogres, so now i got to. I'm going to see if I can get the Chaos Warriors up to a little bit better standard than the way they are right now. All right. Well, I have to, first and foremost, I have to settle on a North Star list. <laughs> and then if I decide to go with a strong Corsair base, yeah. I will be power painting Corsairs. Power painting! <laughs> yes, we will be putting my speed painting skills to the absolute max. If I do not go decide to go with a Corsair base, mm-hmm. then I'm going to try very hard to finish up the th- set of three chariots for my Tomb Kings that I've been working on. Yeah, I can say it would be really nice to have a nice little break of painting something else to <laughs> kind of retain my sanity in between. I think I've logged something like, I don't know, probably 16 hours right now on the chassis Yeah, and another six or seven hours on the horses. A lot so of hours. It would be a, it would be nice to log some hours doing something else and some other <laughs> looking at some other other colors. That's that's my big two goals. I need I need to wrap those up. I don't know how much I would how if I if it's just the chariots. I'm real hopeful I can finish them up because we are recording in a week. Yeah. Again, because the North Star kind of gets our our recording schedule off since we're not recording at North Star. But uh, that's kind of where I'm gonna planning on going. All right. Fair enough. All right. What did we talk about today? I think we talked about gaming marathons. Yeah, we did. We talked about gaming marathons. We talked about RockCon. Yeah, we did. We talked about all the stuff we did during our Extra Life campaign. Correct. Big, uh, big final thank you to everyone who donated to uh, either Paul or I and helped us uh, raise money. Or, and a big thank, to, thank you goes out to everyone they both participated and donated to Team Cranky and donated to Extra Life. Yep. It was amazing. We we love it. Children and the families that are affected and helped will love it too. And we are so appreciative to all of our fans, listeners, and people that were contributors. Thank you. Thank you very much. All right. And let's go ahead and how do you contact the show or hosts? Well, you can find us on WiscoDice.com, I believe. Yes, WiscoDice.com. Was that WiscoDice.com? 
Dice.com. And we got a forum there on whiskodice.com. There is a forum. You can drop a line and let us know what's going on. Yep. Let us let us know. We appreciate it. You can find us on iTunes or Blackberry Podcasts or even Citrus Smart Radio. Yes. Those are all good places. Please, Liam, you need to listen to the show. Leave us some feedback on those. We do try to catch them and read them. Yeah, it's really well appreciated. Mm-hmm. We take very seriously both positive and negative feedback. I mean, Correct. we we hope there isn't any negative, but I'm sure <laughs> there's there's always somebody with a little critique or whatever. We want to hear about it. So, do you take that serious? I think we've I, as we've grown over the last year, I think all of you can probably hear the difference from our first shows mm-hmm. to where we are now. <laughs> Definitely, and you can also like us on Facebook and join the Facebook group. Yep, and we still have that 100 likes on Facebook contest going and moving forward. I believe we are sitting at uh, 91 likes right now. So nine more of you folks that are listening to this show just need to click that happy like button, and then we can give away a pile of stuff. And then we can stop bothering you about it. Yeah, we'll have to come up with with something (laughs) else to bother people on, like, a hundred people that can I'm not like even us talking about on the next Google Plus or something. <laughs> <laughs> we'll we'll, oh, yeah. we'll pick a we'll pick an even worse social media than Facebook. <laughs> yeah. We'll pick like Google Plus or something. I don't you'll know. You'll have to uh, you'll have to like us on you know, I don't MySpace know. Live or journal. whatever. Yeah. Live <laughs> journal. There we go. So, something horrific. Uh, oh, we are a sad, sad bunch. All right, but we like our fans. Paul, so you sound about you as tired. You, Paul, you sound about as tired as you did in twenty one or twenty two A. It is my sixth day in a row. I work ten days and it's late. And he's <laughs> also on his third beer. On, I finished that like a long time ago. I don't think that's helping your energy levels. Probably not. All right, so let's go ahead and you can always hit us on Twitter. Correct. At Wisco Dice. That would be Paul, or you can get me at Dugan Brightax. That's correct. Okay, and finally, you can always hit us on Google Plus, uh, WiscoDice at gmail dot com, and of course, we have all of our email contacts, such like that, on the website. You can go ahead and shoot out email to the hosts at hosts at WiscoDice dot com. That'll catch us both, and we'll be able to see everything. Of course, our personal email addresses as well. Um, catch all that information on the WiscoDice dot com contact WiscoDice dot com. All right, so until next time. Yes, yes, yes. This is the greatest episode of Wisco Dice yet. Yes, I wish I would have been there for the for the uh, big battle on earlier I'm when it was on 22A. Went. Yeah, oh yeah, goodness. it would have been great. I would have I would have told Paul what his face looks like. Mush. Yes, Master Gonzi. Yes, yes, yes. Wow, that guy's cool. It was so nice to have an episode without him. Oh. You know, so nice. What's what's sad to say is even the fan had the brains to be sleeping at that hour. Exactly. <laughs> what was wrong with us? I don't know. All right, wow. thanks a lot, folks. Thanks for listening. Peace out. Bye.